I saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Welcome everyone to the February 2nd, 2019 edition of All About All Elite. The calendar says February 2nd, 2019, but I swear to you, when I woke up this morning, it felt like Christmas morning as a young child because the one thing above all things that I wanted AEW to do has been done. I wake up at 7 a.m. to prep this show. I look at the news, and lo and behold, I saw AEW News, followed by AEW News, followed by AEW News. It started with Colt Icon. Um, I had asked a question because in January 5th, there was this rumor about a bidding war between Impact and AEW over the Lucha Bros. Well, last night, last night, the Young Bucks invade a show where the Lucha Bros had just got a victory. They offer AEW contracts and they shake hands. With the Lucha Bros, it looks like Pentagon and Phoenix will be a part of AEW, which is the one thing that I ask in order to be on board. So we are doing well, Cody Rhodes. We are doing well, Young Bucks. And then followed by that, we get the news that Kenny Omega is officially a free agent. Hmm, some five days before the Double or Nothing ticket announcement party. And then even Tessa Blanchard, who was signed with Impact through 2020, is asked about will AEW be a success? And I'm going to read her answer because I really like the last part. She says, I think it's going to be successful. Cody's like a brother to me, and the Young Bucks are very, very, very smart people. Cody as well. And if they want something, they're the type of people that are going to tackle it and dive headfirst into it. I like that spirit. I like that attitude because what I am seeing in the wrestling world is a weird thing for people who do not like Cody Rhodes and do not like AEW. Every time they're about to do something that's in front of them, these people say they'll never be able to do it. It won't be a success. It will not happen. Then they do it, and the people never come back and say, okay, I was wrong. They belittle it, and they look at the next thing they're going to do and say they'll never do it. But right now, and we're early, I like the track record. And like Cody Rhodes and like the Young Bucks, we are going to dive headfirst into this show because we got so much to talk about. Miss Van and I have picked our top five talents who are outside of WWE that we would want AEW to look at. We'll talk about that. We will have a Convince Me Joey Janela segment, and we will break down all the news, all the speculation, just five days before the next big AEW event. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the LOP Mystic, aka your one-man hype band, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague, Mr. Mizfan, the brain. Greetings, Mizfan fans. Welcome indeed. It is the second month, the second day, the second show of All About all elite, and I am hearing news that I didn't even know. Uh, nobody knew the night before. I didn't know today until I heard it just now. The Lucha Brothers coming to All Elite Wrestling, which is in the wonderful, spectacular news. 
uh, a great thing about covering something like this as opposed to the Legacy series, which I also absolutely love, but uh, it was very hard to surprise us after a while in the Legacy series, and here is something where we can be surprised daily, and as you say, uh, no more surprising to anyone than to the people who, A, think that Cody and the Young Bucks cannot do anything, and then as soon as they've done it, well, that thing wasn't worth doing anyway, so... uh, there's a certain schadenfreude, I think, in seeing uh, these guys succeed where some may want them to fail. Um, but uh, even more satisfying than that is seeing them succeed where I want them to succeed, you know, as a Great. selfish uh, fan. But uh, I can only say from my own perspective. So uh, it's just great to see them overcoming all these obstacles and uh, rewarding people's faith in them time and time again. I think it's a wonderful sign for the future. I am amped out of my mind this morning. I woke up. It was just last night. I think I left a comment, you know, um, in the LOP, uh, Lords of Pain, uh, column forums asking, you know, why, how, what, what in the world is it that, cause I, I, I don't think a day goes by that I don't type Pentagon Junior AEW into Google to see what the <laughs> Google machine tells me. I and it always takes me back to January 5th where there's a bidding war and then nothing else. So I've been wondering, um, in my gut, I was sure that they would be here. I think the fact that we're doing this show uh, says that. And I'm, I'm I'm torn because when it comes to things like this, I am so proud of AEW for the way that they are they are narrativizing everything. Whether even if everyone online knows it's going to happen, they're still narrativizing it instead of just saying, "Oh well, you all know, so this thing's happened." And so I was torn. Like if if Pentagon's not coming to AEW, I want to know. If he is coming, please don't tell me until you're ready to tell me however you tell me. <laughs> and so we wake up, and, um, yeah, they, they defeated SCU, uh, the Lucha Bros, and then uh, Young Bucks are in the ring telling them they should come to AEW. Everybody shakes hands. And already Chris Jericho uh, on Twitter, and we'll, we'll break this down later, Miss Fan, because I don't know anything more than you do, but we got ourselves a little controversy. So oh um, are they signed exclusively, or will they work other companies? Because they are currently – the MLW Tag Champions and supposedly signed through the year. They're Impact Tag Team Champions. Jericho says on Twitter that they're signed exclusively to AEW. Maybe he doesn't know, but then takes a shot at them, uh, which is nice because I want to see uh, uh, Pentagon beat the shit out of him for what happened to All In, so I welcome <laughs> that contention. So, so much going on right now, and I'm about to explode because, like you said, the Legacy Series, I hold nothing above it. Great work. I love doing it. But this is another kind of amazing that may reach that height in a completely different way. And here we are on the ground floor watching things as it happens. Mm, Absolutely. Uh, And I think it's all about potential, really, because what I write in the uh, description of these shows, what I always talk about, I say uh, this is the greatest, most exciting potential company that has existed uh, in the past, you know, probably 15 years or more. Um, and that's because we don't know, you know, don't like to think about it. This could all flop on its face. It could not go well. It could fall through, you know, and then we'll be sad. Life will go on. But man, if things deliver the way that we hope they will, then very little is going to be better than this. I'm I'm excited. I want to see where it lands. And I'm glad you said that because it did bother me at all in. Chris Jericho showed up dressed like Pentagon, Pentagon nowhere to be seen. And I said, Pentagon is not the person you replace 
during a blackout. Pentagon <laughs> is the man who breaks your bones during the blackout, and then when you wake up, you're in a mangled heap. So yeah, I want to see, I want to see something cycle back around to that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Even on the podcast where Jericho interviews himself to talk about coming to AEW, uh, he's talking about how he changed his look in New Japan with the face paint, and and he says. This one line, this is when I wanted so bad to see Pentagon beat the shit out of this guy because he <laughs> says, um, the guy who I, whose mask I took on all in wears, wears makeup or wears paint on his face. So when I took off the mask, I was wearing that and I liked the look. So in that sentence, Pentagon is called the guy who, whose mask he took that night or something like that, not even a name. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you, you will get George, sir. Just, <laughs> just, just wait. With any justice, yeah, you cannot treat a guy like Pentagon with that lack of respect. Um, so let's hope that was an intentional slight on Jericho's part. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, um, let me pull up the Jericho tweet if I can because he, he calls them, um, how is it? He takes, he takes a, a, a glancing shot. I don't see it right here, so I will not. But this is a slight shot about how the guys who he came up with, um, they're a pale version of, of some of the guys he came up with. So, so they, they need to stay the hell away from him. <laughs> well, that's comforting, actually, because uh, Jericho is working about 95% of yes. the time. And uh, there's no way after they get signed, he's going to be saying stuff like this unless it's means to an end. So yes. so that's great, you know. Um I, uh, I'll say what I said last week, and I'm what I'm sure we'll say a lot of times. I think the key, especially with Pentagon, is going to be the presentation. I think you get as much out of him as you put into him. Um, and, uh, yeah, the more that they can tap into what makes him special, what has made him such a phenomenon, the better off they are going to be. Yeah, I, I think by the Young Bucks being the ones who did this, we'll likely get the Lucha Bros as a tag team. Um, yeah, I'm nervous about that. <laughs> I don't particularly love it, but at the same time, the one highlight of it, and we we, we can do uh, shows, of course, where we break, we go deeper into this. But you know, if you've already decided, let's say Kenny Omega is going to be my guy starting off, or mm. or Kenny Omega is going to be paired with so and so, if that stuff gets booked up quick at the beginning, it might not be the worst thing to be over in the tag team division. If that's true, that, that's not a life sentence. That's the important part, because to me, Pentagon and Phoenix, um, I love their tag team, I do, but to me, you know, they're like the Brothers of Destruction. You team them up now and again, you know, when it makes sense for the story, but they should never be linked at the hip for all time, because they bring too much individually as characters. And that goes for Phoenix, too. I love Phoenix, and I think neither of them are really necessarily able to do everything they can do as characters when they're in a tag team. Um, But then again, you mentioned the Young Bucks are running a lot of this. They have always just been a tag team. That's all they're interested in being. So who knows? We may see the most attention to a tag division that we have ever seen in modern wrestling, and that actually would make me happier than anything. So if they can make it work, I'll be there for it because I I love tag wrestling. I have two requests for them. Number one, don't make it a life sentence. And number two, don't end the relationship by them having a feud with each other. Uh, yeah, that's not. I mean, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing seeing them feud at some point, but yeah, yeah there's something so generic about oh, we started as a team and now we broke up, and <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, give give it some more layers than that. Uh, draw it out. Tell us that story over the time the the time period it deserves to be told. 
you and I are definitely on the same page there because what you said is what I was telling my brother a few days ago is that I would have like we all know their brothers whether we have to say explicitly or not so I would have them not even being together but maybe once in a while you would see like Phoenix is kind of this really social guy he's good with the women he's good with the fellas he's good you know he he's just he knows how to play the game and then his brother's kind of you know I don't know how you explain it but the opposite of that so you <laughs> oh, get that maybe Maybe they're both a little ashamed of each other, you know, without explicitly saying it. Obviously, for uh, Phoenix, because his brother's the one who's outside of societal norms, but I don't think the Pentagon character that I like would be all that crazy about Phoenix spending his time socializing. So No, yeah, yeah. I, I understand why they've been paired up in Independence, but I, I like the separation they had in Lucha Underground um, to a certain extent. And yeah, I think there's a lot of layers you could play with that because yeah like you said phoenix you know oh he's playing to the crowd you know all this stuff I, not the pentagon doesn't but you know what i mean you know it's a yeah. different sort of thing you know he's kind of out to please them and uh pentagon you know is not i think on his best day um so yeah i don't know there's a lot there's a there's a tremendous distance between them in a lot of ways and i really want to see something played on with that yeah and that way too if one of them ever comes out and saves the other and teams up with them against whoever they're facing, it's a big fucking deal because they're not doing it because they're both brothers, you know? They're doing it because, like, the situation has become so dire that we have to admit we're brothers and team up together, you right. know? Yep. And that's a big difference. So we'll see. Um, let's go ahead and jump in. We'll go back and forth. We both picked five people. If we were uh, tasked, tapped by AEW to go look for five people outside of... Um, outside WWE, who they might should have their eyes on. Uh, your your list will probably be more satisfying for the listeners because I barely watch independent wrestling, so I pretty much um, three are quite obvious and two are from one uh, the, another, the only promotion I really watch. So, <laughs> but I think this will be fun, and let's do that, and let's see where it goes. All right, sounds great. Where do you want to start? Okay, so I will go ahead and just say that the first guy on my list is a guy who... Um, Three times or so in the last 20 years I've been a wrestling fan. Miz fan knows this. And the first two times were almost the same. It was Christian Cage coming to TNA and putting on a big fuss about wanting to be NWA champion. And then Bobby Roode being the longest reigning TNA champion. So it was guy whose promos and wrestling I like becomes super ambitious, has a big goal, and uh, shapes the company for a while. The next guy, not as much like that. He... Doesn't necessarily always wrestle the style that I like. I sometimes turn my head when he's doing what he does. I have to pretend like I don't know what he does so I can endorse him. He's that bad of a guy. But he is the greatest character, or one of them, that I've seen in a long, long time. And he has one of the highest ceilings I've ever seen. If somebody would just pursue it right, and I'm talking not just storytelling, but money... I think AEW Miss Van needs to go out and sign this guy Pentagon from Lucha Underground. <laughs> uh, I'll shock you. He was actually number one on my list as well, because last mm. night when I made the list, he was not confirmed. And yeah, I believe this guy, you nailed it. The highest ceiling I've maybe ever seen. Potential, I think, to be the biggest star in the world. You handle this guy right, and he will pay out. For years and years and years and years and years, I think. Um, so, yeah, there's no debate. There's no question. Um, they really need 
to have this guy, and now they've got him, and now they just need to know what to do with him. Uh, and I'm very hopeful and also a little afraid. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I think uh, I'm, I'm excited mostly to, to see what they can do with him. I think we have another motto for this show, hopeful and a little afraid. Because <laughs> uh, it's so easy to imagine this show becoming everything I'm not interested in, to become a very Young Bucks, Joey Ryan yeah. kind of thing that sort of falls through, that doesn't live up to the hype. Um, so I don't know. It's easy to imagine that, but also I don't want to. And I think there's a very good chance it won't be that, or at least that will only be kind of one facet of what happens. So I'm, I'm mostly excited. But yes, a little afraid. <laughs> yes. This is why our first self-imposed contract takes us to double or nothing, because we are giving them as much rub as they earn. Um, I am I'm excited because it could easily turn out what, like what you said, because these wrestling being what it is, these guys trying to be on the forefront can go one way or the other. But can you really ask for more than the number one guy on the list? of who you would suggest if you could suggest is already signed before you get on air to be able to say it. True. True. That's not bad. I'll let you, I don't want to stay in front because we might have some of the same people. So I'll let you go. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. All right. So, um, one of the first people, uh, well, when I made this list, uh, I excluded anyone I knew had some sort of tie to WWE, which threw some people out the window that made okay. me sad, but, uh, who knows what may happen with that. We may talk about that in a future week. Um, I was still left with like 30 plus people that wow. I thought could be a great get for them. That could be big stars potentially. So I whittled it down as much as I could. And this is a list that could change from day to day. If I started from scratch, it would look totally different. Um, but I want to start with this name. Um, it's someone who has a slight tie to WWE, but nothing really confirmed. And I don't really think it will be anything permanent. Uh, if you watch the Mae Young Classic 2, you saw her, and I think anyone knows uh, that women's wrestling is very much on the forefront of people's minds right now. So I think it's really key that you have someone who's going to have overwhelming credibility for that division, who's going to have connections to the rest of the uh, women's wrestling world. Um, it's a name you may or may not know. I hope you know it. Uh, it is Mako Satomura, uh, who runs the Sendai Girls promotion in Japan, who's regarded as one of the best wrestlers in the world uh, by myself and by others and uh, I think if you bring someone in like that even if you don't have them full-time if that's your first women's champion I think uh, fans who have seen her before are going to say yes that's exactly what I wanted to see and fans who haven't seen her before are going to say wow this is a great talent a great company for finding talent that is great and plus you get the added bonus of uh, getting someone that WWE possibly could have had and then bringing them over, which I think makes a statement in and of itself. Yeah. Um, I do not know her, but I, I take what you're saying. Um, it has been announced. I believe that Brandy Rose will be bringing at least two new women signed to AEW to the February 7th show. I'm excited. So that's, um, prominent, but I do like what you're saying about, Oh God, this complicated world next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking about, uh, do we um, the five people we least want from WWE in um, uh, AEW, and do we want anybody? And what does it mean? And could it implode the company, or could it help the company? So you, you're walking this tightrope where I think what you're saying, if you get people who are recognized as a big name, mm -hmm. 
that is that's important right now because so many people just want to say that nobody they sign matters. <laughs> For sure. But then you know, then on the other side of that, if they're a big name because they were like a WWE big name. You you know you, you there's a lot of horror stories out there for how you could go wrong. Let's put it that way for right now. For sure, just so, ask uh, Pac for sure. Yeah, but yours sounds like the best best of both worlds. Especially like, I like what you said, um, being an early champion and even if they're part time because I don't care if they work with indie companies in America or not. Like mm. there's something kind of nice about it if they do because companies are thriving. But I do think. If they completely burn their bridge with New Japan, that's to me the saddest of them all. Yeah, and I would think that won't happen, but you you never know, you know, what might happen between companies. But yeah, yeah. I think just with the current landscape, you're gonna want to be connected to Japan. People respect Japanese wrestlers because by and large, they're very good. You know, the top ones yeah. come over and they impress people every time, uh, and you get to see people that you wouldn't get to see normally. Uh, for Mako Satomura, I don't think there's a chance she would come and like live in America full time. But if you can get her for a bunch of appearances, it's still hugely valuable. So they need, I think, to think about talent that they can use like that as well. I like again how they know how to narrativize everything. So you can almost make it better because she won't come live in America. Because yeah. you know when you're challenging her, you're not guaranteed that she's in the back and going to interrupt your promo so that you can wrestle in the main event that night, as I talked about last week. <laughs> right, um, yeah. You know, like, you're, you're reaching out to another country, you know, trying to, probably at least at first trying to start off on her level, like, you know, I am here, and, you know, it would benefit you to come face me, too, depending on the personality, begging and pleading and, you know, lowering oneself to get her here. You know, she's not just there for anything, and that that by itself gives some precedence and some power to the fuse that she'll be in absolutely um my first three are obvious people who will all be in aew because i couldn't even come up with five so you get 30 <laughs> sure. so we're going to enjoy the wealth of knowledge that Miz fan has about independent wrestling Love it. um i don't so much care about this guy personally as far as he's never going to be one of my favorites though i i respect the hell out of him um one of the top talents um to me in the ring uh in independent wrestling but where he really caught my attention is when he was finally given story work to do, he proved he's a damn good storyteller, and he is Phoenix. Yep, yep. Uh, there's no argument, I think, that Phoenix could be a great uh, talent for AEW, both in a tag role and I think especially in a singles role. I think there are very few people who are as good in the air as Phoenix is right now, and that's saying a lot because it's an in-the-air culture in wrestling right now. You know, everybody flies pretty much, so if you got a guy who is very possibly the best flyer, then you've really got something, you know? Uh, look at how valuable the Cruiserweight division was for WCW, and I think Phoenix has an even higher ceiling than that. This is a guy who could wrestle for any main championship in the world, and uh, no one would bat an eye. The only reason he's not on my list is, and I knew this would never happen, but I almost wanted them to take Pentagon and not Phoenix, just because I almost feel it might be better to separate them a little, because the temptation is so high right now to use them together, and like we talked about, I don't think... That's the best long-term use of them. But like you said, there's nothing to say they have to be in a tag team long-term. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But it's a great pick, no doubt. I will definitely remove the I don't think and say that it's fucking stupid and limited <laughs> and self-destructive if they can only make them the Lucha Bros. Indeed. To me, though, I would much rather 
here's how bad I hate that idea, and I, this is hard to say. <laughs> if that if all they were going to be in AEW as a tag team, I I would even take them signing Phoenix and not Pentagon over that. I was actually thinking the same. If Pentagon, all I want for Pentagon is to be like the single standout person of wherever he works, and if that meant Pentagon stayed in Impact. Yeah. And Phoenix went to AEW. Honestly, I would probably take that. I would probably start watching Impact again. Nothing excited me more. Everyone's talking about, oh, Impact. They got so much better. Eh, I watched some, you know, like, it's pretty good. I liked some of the earlier stuff that other people didn't like. So maybe, you know, I just have a different perspective. But, man, when Pentagon came in and he won the World Championship, like, right away, I was like, oh, man, do I need to watch Impact again? And then he lost it, like, right away, too. So I was like, oh, I guess I don't. But, uh, you know, at least yeah. it caught my attention uh, in a way that really nothing else has at all that they've done since I stopped a couple years ago. Same thing. I went and found the videos. I started watching it. I was on board. I was on board. I found it. I found the videos online. I found um, on Hulu, uh, which is where I watched my shows. I found where I could watch Impact at the time. I was good to go. And then, <laughs> like you said, by the time... You know, I looked up the information. He was no longer going to be champion. And then, yeah, he's tag champion, and he just had supposedly won a, a really good match of the year candidate. But guess what? It's, it's reduced again to the Lucha Bros, which, to me, they could have a great run. Here's how I thought about it in my mind. You could have the, they, they could be the Steiner brothers for a moment, and they can be Kane and the Undertaker for a moment. Right. Like, if I had... The Steiner brothers, I'd be happy if I had Kane and The Undertaker. But if I could have all fucking four, I would always pick all four. And with these guys, you could have all four because you got a brother tag team that can make the tag division legit. And then you got two guys who are connected and not connected for all of time who can be independent stars and who could bless your company in the singles division. So, you know, smart guys that they are, uh, Cody, Young Bucks. Don't just take the Steiner brothers. Don't just take Kane and The Undertaker. Take all four of them. For sure, for sure. And imagine, you know, just for a moment of perspective, if Undertaker and Kane had teamed up, you know, as soon as it were possible, and then just stayed teamed up for the rest of their career, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, there would have probably been a lot of really good stuff. But you you lose out on that individual legacy, and I think uh, that would be really sad. There are some people, I think, who should stay a tag team forever, you know, uh, the Young Bucks, like, have made a, a clear career out of that, and I think that was the right choice for them. But uh, it's not, you know, there are some talents that uh, they, they need to stand alone when the time is right. Yeah, you can do. You can always do a, a study like this. If two guys break up and they always come back together, they probably should be a tag team. You know, and then you got guys who could be independent, but they can come together on the occasion and – I think Kane to this day, I think as whatever he is, mayor maybe or whoever the fuck he is, <laughs> is still talking about what The Undertaker did for him and his legacy. Sure. If you flip it and they stay attacking, then Kane did something for The Undertaker instead of The Undertaker doing something for Kane. <laughs> and what Kane did was limit the both of them for the rest of their lives. So pick your poison, pick your path, AEW. It's not that complicated. I do have fears, but as long as they're making the right choices, I'm going to trust them to eventually make the right choice here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Who are we on? It's my turn. I think it is. Um, okay. Here's a guy. Uh, he might be obvious. He might be on your list as well. But uh, I think this could actually be a really important get for them. Um, there's a theme of people on my list. And it's not everyone, but it's a lot of people. Uh, if there's someone that WWE wanted and couldn't get for some reason, 
then I think that appeals both because it does make a statement, as I said before, and because um, because you you have them like they are known to WWE fans because they've been there in some capacity. But there's really no, um, for lack of a better word, stink on them. You know, there's no, there's nothing really built around them except, hey, remember that guy who was really good that one time when he showed mm-hmm. up and then, you know, what happened to him? Oh, well, here he is in AEW, you know, if you didn't know where he was. Um, so without further ado, that guy is a guy who's very close to another person who's probably coming to AEW. Uh, it is Kota Ibushi. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, if they don't, find a way to include Kota Ibushi, they'll really be missing a trick because uh, everybody loves the Golden Lovers. They love the story between Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. They love that relationship. Everyone loves Kota Ibushi, the wrestler, because he's flipping awesome. You know, the things he can do are just incredible in the ring. And uh, I think he's the name that would cause some of the most excitement um, for AEW fans. And he hasn't really even been mentioned that much yet and i'm not sure why because he's not super committed to new japan you know it was kind of a a big deal that he didn't really commit to them a few years ago he he doesn't really commit to anybody that much except maybe his friends and i think that makes him a ripe target to come over and work for aew because there's definitely nowhere he's gonna have more friends than that well then that 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 goes to the the fans slash journalists, which are really the same thing uh most <laughs> of the time. Because AEW's not sitting around gossiping about anything. All the rumors are coming from, you know, the so called journalists and the fans. So mm-hmm. I don't know why. Uh maybe it's almost too obvious, or maybe it's the uh, I should wait till next week to say this because I could end up with egg on my face. But <laughs> it's almost the WWE universe is so goddamn big in people's minds that even with um, Kenny Omega likely going, uh, it's almost like, okay, so AEW is teasing Kenny Omega still to AEW with the phone on, um, we'll talk about on being the elite. He's still appearing in their videos. They're having a, a big event five days after his contract's up. His contract's not up till February, but all of that leads me to believe he'll be in the Royal Rumble. You know, so folks are so like, it's hard to talk about a friend of Kenny Omega coming to AEW when you won't even admit that Kenny Omega is likely going to AEW. Mm. So maybe that will come in time, but I agree with you that. It almost seems obvious at this point, because if they're doing one thing, these people are loyal to each other. You're seeing every friend that they have come through, and these are folks that have big money offers right now, and they're all going to the same. But they're all choosing friendship over business in a way. Yeah. So I can see it happening. I think it would be cool if it happens. There's already a rumor, true or not, that New Japan's a little bit not happy with AEW, so that might increase more, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, how would you do that? If Kenny Omega, let's say Kenny Omega, because he'll probably be there in the seventh. Let's say he's there, whether it's six months or a year before. Mm-hmm. How would you book it coming in? Would you would you book them together immediately or would you not? I think um, there's probably a temptation to book some kind of feud between them. And maybe you can do something like short term, like, you know, why why did you walk out on me for these months or blah, 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 whatever. But that, that doesn't really interest me. 
as much as uh, the core of their relationship does, and that is that they are so incredibly close. You know, it's sometimes even implied to be romantically involved, which I have no problem with. You know, they can do whatever they want with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm a big fan, as you know, of, uh, of characters and consistency, and, um, you know, people are who they are, unless a major thing kind of shakes them into being something else. Uh, so yeah, I, I would bring them in and I would um, rekindle that relationship um, in whatever form you want to do it. And I would have them definitely be on the same page. If they do have a really well-developed ta uh, tag division, that's something they could easily do as well. Um, God knows some of the matches they could have in that department would be great as well. Um, so, yeah, I honestly don't think you can go wrong, but that's how I would like to see it. I think Ibushi and Omega have been linked in such a positive way that fans really respond to that you should keep that um, unless there's a very, very compelling reason to uh, to split it off. I think one thing we can trust, if they all feel like it's in their best interest, he'll be in AEW. Right. If they don't, then he's, it's the same thing, like I said, with Pentagon. It was better for Pentagon not to be in AEW than I... As hard as it is for me, I wish he wouldn't be in AEW. But anybody that is linked and friends, if it's in their best interest, they're all going to end up together. For sure, for sure. And I think there's something awesome about that is, like, these people are just kind of against the world. And, yeah, you know, they have a corporate backer. They're not just doing it by their bootstraps or whatever, uh, except they sort of are because they're the ones that made that happen. But putting they started, that aside. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But putting that aside, you know, there is something great. Because wrestling on the top level has become, like, so super corporate and, like, oh, it's the brand and, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. And then you have these people and they're so close. And kind of whether you like them or not as performers, you can't help but see that, like, they have this friendship. They built this thing together. And I don't know. That's really heartwarming to me. So if you have something like Omega and Ibushi against the world, how can people not respond to that? You know, I, I think there's a lot that you can do with stuff like that. You set me up really well because a lot of these guys I like better on being the elite or knowing their true selves than I do uh, some of their wrestling styles and personalities, mm. you know. But one of them who I like equally on being the elite and as a wrestler and personality might be my favorite in the whole fucking group. Mm. That is the villain, Marty Skrull. Mm. This guy to me, was one of maybe four who just head and shoulders above for my um, time at All In. He just, his video package, his in-ring work, the story that he was telling. Um, I just watched a matchup um, from New Japan Pro Wrestling this morning with him in it, and he was wrestling um, in the junior division, but he was wrestling like a little Arn Anderson. He wasn't the guy <laughs> flying around the ring. He was the guy stopping the guy from flying around the ring, and then he's twisting your head, and he's twisting your neck, and he's curb stomping you. And he, you know, I don't know what it is because I never wake up in the morning saying, I really want to watch a pro wrestling match because I want to see someone slowly turn someone's neck, you know. <laughs> but there are guys like that, that it's just so in their personality that they're dirty and they're disgusting and they're going to get it done that way. And Marty is a villain in that way. But in another way, and we'll talk about this later in the Being the Elite videos, I find him charming and compelling. So he has a, to me, he has a pathway to be a great consistent heel, but to always eventually, potentially 
have that moment where everyone comes to love him and cheer him on as he tries to do a thing. I think he will be there. I think he'll be the last of the crew to arrive. I like that because I wish more guys were able to be at Madison Square Garden and support that. Marty will be, but absolutely, I need Marty in the AEW before this year is over. Um, I didn't have him on my list, uh, probably first and foremost, because I just took it as a given that, yeah. yeah, he will come to AEW. I can't think of any reason on earth why he wouldn't, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, Marty Scholl's a guy I've been watching um, for the past probably three, four years, and uh, when I started watching him, I loved him, um, and now I like him. I think okay. he may be... And I'll be interested if you share this opinion as you watch him more. I feel like to some extent he's a diminishing returns kind of guy because um, he's got a lot of pieces to his act. Um, but it's kind of always the same pieces. And I felt over time that they weren't really coming together the way I initially thought they were. Kind of the closer I looked, the more I wasn't sure about what I was seeing. Um, but I do still like Marty. I think he does have a lot of good things he brings to the table. And uh, I want to keep shaping my perspective on him because I think he is different in New Japan as opposed to the UK, as opposed to the different places that he works. So uh, I want to keep watching him, keep seeing what he does, see if he can kind of rekindle what I was feeling before. But either way, I think they'd be nuts not to bring him in. He's got that connection. He's got that friendship. And uh, I think he'll be a valuable addition. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I want to hear these nuances because I've not watched him a lot. I first saw him in Ring of Honor. And I like, so I guess my trajectory right now is the opposite, but I don't have enough data to stand on mine. Right. right. But I saw him in Ring of Honor and liked him. I saw him with being the elite in New Japan and all in and loved him. Um, I like the storyline where I don't know what the hell it is because I haven't watched a lot of the being the elite, but his musician, uh, his music career or whatever with those two finger pointing agents who berate him all the time. Uh <laughs> I liked his I'm a heavyweight, the whole I'm a heavyweight campaign. Um, I liked him trying to stand up and be a, be that man at all in. So I went from like to love. But again, I don't have the data to really stand behind it. And I also don't know how he's going to be booked. Not this week, but one week we've got to talk about how do you put these guys who are not only known to be best friends, but also half of them are running the company like, how much do you want them together on TV? How much do you want them apart? How much do you want to acknowledge? How much do you not? Like, I think it's a bigger conversation to come. So will Marty be Marty? Will he be just one of the guys? You know, will he take on a different route? I don't know, but I'm just, I am happy that he's coming because I do see potential uh, in the villain. Same, same. Um, this is an interesting point, and we'll probably talk about that more later at some point. Um, but, yeah, how do you avoid an NWO yeah. sold-out situation? where all the top guys are buddies and they're all in the same group and then everyone else, maybe they're just kind of also ran. I don't know. Mm. You need to unite some people against them. You need to split them up. I don't know. Part of me wants to see them stay aligned, uh, at least for a while. And, you know, they could splinter off. We saw the whole Bullet Club is Fine storyline that was very popular in this past year. So clearly uh, they could do stuff like that. And clearly the seeds are there. If anything, I still sort of feel that storyline was not satisfactorily resolved, uh, or maybe I just didn't see when it became resolved. So I don't know. Maybe there are still fishers there that have just been put aside for the sake of the new company, and we may see those boil up again. So that that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know I was talking to um, Mr. Benjamin Button, and he was talking about he would like to see something 
eventually, or maybe with Cody and Kenny, where, but with Pentagon as kind of a wild card. That, like they, those two are yeah. trying to determine who the better man is. You know, maybe Cody's tired of being disrespected because Kenny comes in as the champ and the star. But like every time that they're trying to kind of have that match. Pentagon, I was also trying to be in this, and you know, <laughs> the wild card mixing it up. So, you know, there's a lot of ways. I think that does need to be its own whole conversation because it's a very important fact that I know they're thinking about and will have to continue to think about. For sure. I mean, just occurred to me now, but I think maybe nothing would make me happier than if you, if the company's set up and you kind of have the elite and their allies on one side, and maybe you see kind of an alliance of other guys on the other side. And maybe Phoenix is a big part of that outside alliance, but maybe Pentagon is not on board so much. Maybe he's the wild card in the middle. Um, so I don't know. I think there's a lot you could do with something like that. It's just one idea, but uh, it appealed to me a lot when I thought of it just now. So Yeah, we need to, we will do a segment eventually because I both can see that being not only exciting, but a way to get people's attention. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder, like... Or are we going to fall into a trap where we're either doing NWO or we're doing New Blood versus, you know, where it's always, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's hard. This this shit is hard because you're not booking in a vacuum, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's for sure another conversation. So let us know this is number three or four for you. I think four for me. Um, okay. This is a guy that uh, I took a little while to kind of really fully appreciate. Um, when I first started watching him, I'm like, oh, this guy, he's sort of like a Dean Malenko type. He's got kind of a weird look. You know, I don't know if he's for me. But the more I watched him, the more I really couldn't deny that kind of every time I saw him, he was having the best match of the night, uh, almost in spite of, like, what I was thinking, what I was expecting to see. So he sort of recalibrated what I was thinking I looked closer and I kind of saw some new things that he was bringing to the table. Um, this is another guy that WWE wanted at one point but couldn't get. Uh, and he is Zack Sabre Jr. coming out of the UK. Um, and this is another guy that you mentioned I didn't even think of, but it could make New Japan upset mm-hmm. if they take him out because he's a guy that they've featured heavily in the past year who got a lot of big wins over top guys. Um, but, yeah, I think the full potential – of Zack Sabre Jr. has kind of come out in the last year or two because he was always this brilliant technical wrestler, like I said, kind of a Dean Malenko type that could do pretty much anything in the ring. Uh, And you might or might not care about it, but I think he's kind of evolved past that uh, a little bit now. He's still a great technical wrestler, but I have seen him use that technique in such a brilliant way to kind of just like smother other people in the ring, to infuriate the fans, to uh, really establish this kind of smug character that can wrestle every match and give you the impression that, well, I'm just wrestling this uh, just to kill time. And, you know, I could probably kill you at any moment. You know, I could make you tap out with one of my 8 billion submission holds. Um, So I, I don't know if I can even convey it that well by saying it, but I think the place he's come to is super valuable, and I think he's finally at a place that could really translate well to not just fans of technical wrestling, but also fans of character and story and uh, who want to see that kind of stuff, which is very much the direction I want to see AEW go. So I think this guy would be a huge get. He's got the hype from New Japan. He's got the hype from the Cruiserweight Classic a couple years ago, and uh, I think he would just be hugely valuable to the promotion. So that that's one of my top guys for sure. That's interesting. I almost clicked on him a day or two ago because I don't watch really much of anything, so it's always <laughs> weird to me. If you don't watch independent wrestling, really, and you don't watch WWE, and you don't watch New Japan, and you've never seen a guy, 
but you know his name as well as you know just about anybody else you know. <laughs> you know that's a weird thing. And like I saw his, his name came up in one of the conversations when I was researching. I was like, I need to click on this because like I don't know if I know him or not. I need to see his face, but I know I see his name all the time. Um, I like what you're saying because God, there's got to be a mix of styles. Yeah. You know, and it sounds like he'll bring us something interesting and. If it's done right, to me, the technical stuff can be badass, you know? Oh, so good, yeah. Yeah. You've watched you know, some so. Ring of Honor? Is that what you said? Oh, no, I've never seen him. Oh, no, I was going to ask you if you saw someone else in Ring of Honor, but if you don't watch much, uh, you probably, I don't know if you ever saw Jonathan Gresham. Oh, uh, no. Not yet? Okay, well, he he's not on my list, but he could be. He's another big technical guy, so I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, see, is he pre or post um, for Ring of Honor? Is he pre or post to kind of the... The uh, uh, the vac- the vacuum that was just left. <laughs> uh, some pre, but I think a lot more so post. So I just want to stop real quick and say I respect the hell out of Impact and Ring of Honor and all these shows right now because like, I was listening to a Jay Lethal interview where he's talking about how many times <laughs> Ring of Honor has been emptied out and then how you know it puts itself back together you know and it really yeah. does. So. I'm Especially excited about- now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because really, it was a problem. In my in Ring of Honor, I would say for a long time that uh, a lot of people that uh, they were way too dependent on the elite and they hadn't yeah. mixed up their roster for like many years. Uh, but now they've gone out and they signed a whole bunch of people that I probably would have put on this list, but I didn't bother because they're all they're hooked up with Ring of Honor now yeah. pretty pretty tightly for at least the next year or two. So you know there's not really any option for it. So. Good for them, you know. Uh, I hope they did it in time because <laughs> it's kind of a quick rebuild. But, yeah, they've gone out and they've, they've picked up a lot of great talent, even took some right out from under the nose of the WWE, which is uh, no easy task. So good for them. That was really awesome. Um, as soon as AEW kind of made it clear who they were going to be and who they're not going to be, every one of these companies, like, right then decided to try to lock some folks up. And I think that's smart. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really – it's kind of exploded, yeah, with AEW – being the final straw, because it was already happening some, but it's really escalated now. And, yeah, you see people being locked up to Impact, to Ring of Honor, to MLW. Um, of course, WWE signing everyone in sight uh, on every continent. Um, so, yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, and uh, it's really cool. I love it. What do you think of Will Ospreay? Um, I think physically he's probably one of the most gifted people around, um, but I don't love his wrestling style, and I think he is a bit problematic backstage, which could also be a factor. Uh, okay. Definitely he would bring huge buzz if he came in. He wouldn't be my favorite, but, you know, I couldn't necessarily speak against him too much either. I'd have to see him as a character. I watched him today versus Marty uh, earlier this morning, mm-hmm. and... Jim Ross is calling, and they're doing a really good job talking about their uh, how how many times their paths are crossed, and Marty always getting the best of him. But like, it, it's it's hard because I usually have either a no interest or I'm interested, and I, I fell on the side of I'm interested in this guy. Okay, I have no idea where it goes or it doesn't go beyond that. And I'm also a little bit biased because um, for folks that don't know, one of my favorite favorite wrestlers of all time was Alex Shelley, who is now retired. Yeah. I think he finished college, and you know he's doing his own thing now. Plus, he had uh, injuries. But Will Ospreay, um, one of few people that I could find who really went on Twitter and just like paid tribute, said that attacked him. He was in, based themselves off the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, he said he's gutted to hear that uh, Shelley is retiring. So you know, I like that because I think Shelley is criminally underrated 
Yeah, great talent. So, you know, shout out to Will Ospreay. I'll be, I'll pay attention, see what, what I like or what I don't like. But right now, I got to get back to the list because it's my turn. And this person makes every appearance magnified. Darkness becomes horrified. Anger becomes escalated. A slight smile is a vast reward. Mm. She is a manager and a wrestler. She is Selena Del Laurenta. Oh. From Black Friday Management, manager of low-key MLW uh, heavyweight champion, I think, or was. So, I don't know how much you've seen her, but I find her potential as a character to be very, very, very high. Hmm. Uh, you've actually hit on someone that uh, I have not seen, so I can't say too much. Uh, I've definitely heard of her, um, and I love managers. So, yeah, bring her in. In all honesty, I'd, I'd love to see what they can do with her. It's the best I've ever seen low-key um, as far as a character. They are Black Friday management. She is half, like, power broker and half horror star because she will fuck you up, I think. And like, <laughs> I watched early shows. Shane Strickland is leaving the building. He walks outside at night, and she's just standing out there waiting for him. Yes. Um, there's other segments where they just put, uh, they take Conan's mask and they're talking about how Conan exploits stars and everything. And I forgot what they say, but something is for kids and business is for adults. So they you just have to watch them. But to me. It's a little bit Pentagon the way I feel about her hmm. is that I don't see a lot of people that immediately I see a lot of people that I watch. I'm like, that person's gifted physically and they're a talent. But I don't see a lot of people where I'm like, OK, the personality and the vibe could just like move the walls of a room, make the room bigger, make the roof kind of higher. Like that's a big personality. And she I feel like she knows what she's doing, like when she smiles, when she doesn't smile, the way she stands, the way she steps up, like it all feels intentional. And that's the kind of stuff I look at and look for. So she seems like she's young. So this is a thing with MLW. Bless their hearts because I love MLW, but I feel like they're going to be the place that when you need your first three years to go from, hey, I have a lot of potential, but I'm green to I am now ready for another company. I feel like, sadly, that might be what MLW's role becomes. Yeah, I, I have a really bad feeling um, about that because, uh, yeah, MLW has been very interesting to me. I've seen a little bit of it, always really liked what I saw. I'm afraid that they, more than anyone, are going to get strip-mined by people yeah. being signed up by other places, and uh, it's going to be a struggle for them. But I also think the talent pool out there is deep enough that they, too, can refill uh, if they want to. And uh, I hope they want to. I don't know what their corporate backing situation is, but hopefully they find a way to make it work. Absolutely. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't say Conan, actually, when you said it was going to be a manager. You said she, but yeah. I don't know how I feel about him as a, as a human being. Well, um, sure. <laughs> you know, so if we go by that, then there's more people we have to cross off the list, I think. But there are, but like, if if every company becomes a problem, I don't need six months into AEW Conan being on a podcast talking about you know how the whole company is you know needs That's to be condemned. Yeah. So, and also, I don't have to say this because 
it's, it's hard to believe that there was a time that I didn't know who Pentagon was, and I watched Lucha Underground for Conan, not for Pentagon. Right. You know, but at the same time, I want other companies, too, to have people. You know what I mean? I don't want everybody who's good to be in AEW. That's a good point. But I just want, I want certain people. I think people, all the people that need a bigger platform, like Pentagon or Phoenix deserves a bigger platform. Conan's had a bigger platform. Like, get get out there and, like, work for for companies and, you know, put on other stars who, right. you know. So, yeah. But I, I get that. That's a, that's a fair take, though. All right, fair enough. Um, all right, so I think we're on my number five guy. I don't know if you'll be surprised or not. It's uh, sort of a personal pick to an extent, but he's also a guy, I think, that gets it on a level that a lot of people don't even maybe fully recognize yet. Uh, he's a guy who became known in Lucha Underground and pretty much nowhere else, which is very curious to me, what with uh, everybody working so much. This is a guy who hasn't as much, but if he could be persuaded to do so, super valuable. I'm talking about Marty the Moth Martinez, who I think has had one of the finest character arcs in wrestling over the last several years. Someone who I think has enormous star potential, and someone who excels so much as a character that I think he could not help but point the company in the right direction, which I think is going to have to be character-driven if they want to succeed. Reach. So uh, he's sort of a dark horse pick, maybe a guy a lot of people wouldn't think of, but I think uh, he could be tremendously valuable to the company. I cannot argue with that. I did not look at Lucha Underground because I knew that if I did... There was probably a lot of people I would have wanted to take. <laughs> Could have easily taken five Lucha Underground people. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder if Eva Lee wants to be there because she, she, you know, is trying to get out of her contract. That's so sad. There's nothing yeah. sadder to me. There's something sadder to me, but I'm just very <laughs> sad that Lucha Underground, whose only legacy should be being the one of the most creative, yes. innovative companies of all time, in my opinion. I hate that part of their legacy is now becoming all of these stupid contract situations and not being flexible with talent in the ways they need to be and causing people frustration. And I don't want that to become the narrative around Lucha Underground. I want the narrative to be, what a great company. Let's get season five confirmed right now, please. So that's that's what I want to see. And if people want to go, man, let them go. I'm sorry. There's talent out there. You can find them. You can do it. I believe in you. And you tape how how long in the year did they did they film? Not yeah. even that long, yeah. So I don't. It shouldn't be that hard, I think, to keep people on contract, but also let them work kind of wherever they want. So I don't know. It's not a it's not a good look, and I agree. I I don't want don't go out like that. Yeah, please. You no. know. So um, I'm about to lose all my ethos with the listeners if I haven't already. But <laughs> who was the tall, skinny guy in this in the uh the the the, the team? The first uh, Evil East team. Uh, and Helico. Does he? Have you seen him outside of Lucha Underground? Uh, a little bit, yeah. He's kind of the he, same. <laughs> okay, he was interesting there. That's a that's another reason I didn't pick Lucha Underground stars because a lot of them I think I like because of Lucha Underground. So I don't know how I would feel outside of it. Um, Marty though, yeah, you know. I am currently not speaking to Marty or Jack Swagger, so you know, I can't hard, I can't really say anything good about them because my my fandom. This is just me as a Pentagon fan. And that's God. That's when you know because I'm I'm in my mid thirties and I am far from like I'm far from new to this wrestling thing. But you know, I can't hardly deal with them because you know they took the belt off Pentagon. So that's well, like 
Yeah. A ch- that's like childish fandom, and that's what that's what that stuff did for me. So. <laughs> well, that's cool, but I think one of those is very different than the other. Yes. You know, if we were going to talk about five non-WWE talents that uh, AEW shouldn't sign, I think Jack Swagger would be in my top two of people that I do not want to see come over. Um, yeah, I only did not separate them because in the next segment, I have a Jack Swagger comment that will okay. make that clear. Okay, all but. right, I'm excited. <laughs> And uh, it's, it's a horrible thing that's happening. I don't know if anybody's picked up on that, but we we, we call it the Jack Swagger phenomenon if we want to. But um, <laughs> such as it is, okay. Yeah, Marty though you could use Marty so many different ways. You know, so he's got. Ways. Yeah, I, here's what I'm hoping to. We haven't talked about this because Cody said at one point maybe 30 stars. That's a kind of light. So I don't want them to overpack the company because God damn it. I watched the WWE show for the first time in years, the Royal Rumble, and it was one of the worst viewing experiences I've ever had. I used to watch and get pissed off because one guy was going to win no matter what, even if he wasn't booked in it. That's a different kind of thing. That was me getting angry, at least. I see why so many people are trying to exit with the money on the table somewhere else because it's like six hours. I tried to watch some of the pregame, and then there's no shape. There's no shape to it. There's no story. Like I like Seth Rollins. He's one of the few people I like. And his winning the Royal Rumble, I was like, ah, what? Okay, whatever. But the fans weren't cheering. The fans weren't cheering uh, AJ Styles versus uh, Daniel Bryan. It was just, it's flat and shapeless, and there's so many people, and nothing nothing pops. So I do understand if you're not getting pushed, and you're not being creative, and you want to be, this is a scary thing. This is the Jack Swagger phenomenon that we'll talk about soon. Mm. I'm afraid that a lot of them are going to want out of WWE. I'm afraid they're going to want to come to AEW, and I don't know if I want to see the company based off guys who are unhappy in WWE. Sure. We'll see. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Marty, though. Marty could be hardcore. Marty could be mid-carter. Marty could be uh, insane. Marty could be flamboyant. Marty, you know, you, you could plug him in so many ways. And that's why I was, that's the rant I was going on, because I do want to see eventually enough divisions. This might be the old WCW, but I liked, whether it's Cruiserweight, TV, U.S., Different divisions that have different shapes for different people at different times in their careers. Sure, sure. And even though it got very bad at the end, you know, at times that even you know you have a place for hardcore people, you know, uh, just yeah. uh, all all sorts of the best WCW cards is where they would go through the card and no match was really the same. Everything yes. brought something different, and uh, those those were my favorite WCW cards by far. Yeah, and Marty's one of those guys. You're not going to get ten people who are like Marty. No, no. So. Uh, my final guy is um, another young MLW star, uh, very green. I watched his matches, didn't really like them. Watched his promos, didn't really like them. And then I watched him do an interview that was not part of wrestling, and it was fucking phenomenal. Then I watched him on a podcast, went to bed last night listening to a podcast. You want to think about being old, uh, being weird, not knowing your place in the world, be a 30-something-year-old that goes to bed listening to Stone Cold Steve Austin talk to Brian Pillman Jr. Mm. That's a that's a mind fuck, my friend. But Brian Pillman Jr., uh, so interesting because he he has next to no memories of Brian Pillman. Sure. Uh, he's four years old when Brian Pillman. He does remember when Stone Cold broke into the house because they took him upstairs and they're like, <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, trying to let him know. And, and Steve Austin did mess up the pool and the wagon, so that really happened. Uh, um, but this guy, 
He was around. I don't think he talks to his mother. I'm getting the impression that they don't speak. I think they're in a bad place. But he was 11 or 12 years old, and his mom told him, you know, do not go into pro wrestling. Pro wrestling killed your father, and you wouldn't make it. Pro wrestling would kill you, too. So he got kind of turned off on wrestling and wanted to do lacrosse or football. But at 23 or so, he got a college, got a college degree, was working a business job, and he said he was so unhappy practically doing double axe handles from the cubicle and they told him you know maybe you should go try to be a pro wrestler he goes to canada to train same place as brian pillman he trains with lance storm and it's interesting because at least in his commentary if that can be believed he is a guy that is intentionally holding himself back because he says he'll go to some bookers who want to like push him beyond what his talent is because of brian pillman and he knows he's not ready he knows he can't do it Wrestled for about six months, got an injury, out six months. So some of that luck, too. Um, and he seems too nice in his promos, and he seems too green in his matches and his promos. But yet when he's talking outside of it, he's so fucking smart. Um, he says in one interview that um, I am being booked all over the world because I have a mullet and my last name is Pillman. <laughs> and I think I think that's just true. He talked about he looked at the wrestling landscape, and a lot of people have men buns. And a lot of people have beards and you want to do something different. Thus the mullet. Um, he's a guy who I think if you just let him again, he signed he signed long term to a uh, MLW. So I think he's going to be another guy who is going to go from green to good, you know, at MLW and then probably, you know, go somewhere else. But it's like even in his promos, he's so nice. And then he'll say something. Sometimes intentionally and sometimes not. It comes off a little mean. And I'm like, there it is, there it is. Pause that, watch that. Whether you did that on purpose or not, tap into that. Mm-hmm. He, he talked about looking good. Like he he got into uh, CrossFit, got into yoga. He works out. They're talking about a lot of independent guys don't. He said, I don't look like a bag of milk, which he says a lot of uh, independent <laughs> talent does. I thought that's very apt. Um, and he said that it's fine with him that uh, they look like that because – while they're snoozing and playing Fortnite, he is working out. He gets booked more. He gets laid more, and it saves money for the bookers because if he can stay at the house of a woman, then they don't have to pay to put him up. But those are his not. Those are his not MLW. His MLW still is a bit green. He has the Brian Pillman cane, which MLW suggested, so he wants to have some symbolism, but he also wants to kind of break away because everybody he barely knows this man, and everybody's trying to put like all these narratives on him. Mm-hmm. So two things that I thought. Number one, I've already said it, if he ever gets really good, I would like to see him, once he can control it, be this nice character who is trying to separate himself from Brian Pillman. But there's something so bad that's lurking down below that is, whether you want to pretend like it's, or you want to say it's genetic or it's bound to happen, you know, have this have this uh, contradiction that, you know, maybe you took for granted he's trying to be nice because when something bad happens – you find out that he has no uh, restraint. And also, I think he could eventually have something interesting with Cody Rhodes because both of them, the way they talk about their fathers are so similar. They talk about, you can tell they love their fathers. They love the legacy. They love hearing about it. They want to pull from it. But they also are always being contained by it. So I think there's something interesting there. Uh, Young talent, definitely not ready for the big stage, but I would keep my eyes on Brian Pillman Jr., Fair enough. Uh, another talent that I really can't say that I've seen. Uh, I definitely know about him. Um, I've heard uh, kind of similar things, you know, that he has a lot of potential. 
which is cool. Um, looking up, I think uh, he wrestled less than 50 matches professionally. Yeah. So uh, this is a guy who needs uh, some seasoning, but uh, it sounds like he has some very good ideas about what he wants to be and what he doesn't want to be, and uh, that's really important. Uh, so he's got a good head on his shoulders, and um, I think it could go very well for him. Um, and I hope yeah. it does, you know. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be keeping a close eye on him for sure. He was just doing corner stomps, I think, and ends up getting put out for six months. With, um, and Austin told him, or I, I think Austin in the video and others, this it's never it's never the big dive or something. It's it's the it's the casual thing you do in the ring often ends ends you up injured. Yep. So. Yep. I I um, can definitely see that. Um, and that's tough too, because uh, you know if I'm looking right, just kind of looking it up, uh, he was probably only about. 20 matches maybe into his career yeah. when that happened. It's very easy to not come back from that. So coming back from that, that's uh, good for him. You know, that, that takes a lot of effort, and I respect that a lot. And, yeah, and he's a very interesting conversation in the podcast is he said that Brian Pillman became the loose cannon to compensate for the fact that he was injured and couldn't do it. Like, he couldn't be an athlete anymore. He had to, right. he had to matter some other way. And Hey, I prefer... Uh, athlete Pillman to Loose Cannon. Everyone loves Loose Cannon Pillman because it was special for its time, but wrestling does not need a Loose Cannon in that way in 2019. We don't need a guy who's coming out and trying to break the script and be shooty-shooty. We do not need that, you know. Um, so if you want to be a Wild Cannon, find a different way. Or if you just want to be Brian Pillman, the great wrestler, be that. Or just be Brian Pillman Jr., be yourself, you know. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see what it is. Yeah, I think he, at least from what he's saying, he really wants to be himself. But what he was saying there was he never understood mm. until like, until being injured, how being injured then like he still wants to be booked on shows and some people will let him be. But like, you know, this is a guy who gave up his job, went to Canada, trained, worked for about six months and then is out six months. Like you said, that could be an easy reason just to say this shit's not for me and everybody yeah. was right. You know, but now he's sitting there. Like, how do I reinvent myself? How do I matter? How do I do things? And so he's kind of reflecting on what his father might have went through as far as that. And Austin said the same thing is that um, when he got dropped on his head, he went from technical wrestler to brawler, not even really realizing how significant being a brawler would be to the Stone Cold character that was coming for him. Yeah, for sure. So he's very smart, if nothing else. I saw him wrestle. He's wearing a shirt, and the match was bad. I don't now. I would like. I didn't know his story. I so I would like to know. Was he injured? Was that before injury? Was that coming back from injury? Uh, so a lot. I'm not impressed with a lot of stuff I saw in MLW. I'm. A, I was completely impressed with anything that was non-wrestling, and then not impressed with his, his character work. He's more of a character outside of his character work. But gotcha. we'll see. Yeah, hopefully he can tap into that. Yeah. So. Um, a lot has happened. We covered a lot of it early, but it's man, it's only been a week since we last talked. Um, <laughs> it feels like a lot longer. It does. The big story that broke was that, um, according to reports, Dean Ambrose will not resign with WWE. Wants out of WWE, and WWE at least has at least acknowledged it. But yet, he's still, I think, going to be working house shows, going to be working TV. So that has a certain percentage of people saying this is a work. Other people saying it's not. Uh, but Dean Ambrose, a big story from this week. Absolutely so. And um, I don't really think it is a work. Uh, I guess I can see why people might say that it was, because there would really be no better time, I think, um, to kind of dangle the possibility of someone like Ambrose going to 
somewhere else and then kind of yanking that back and say, oh, well, WWE, they must have gotten better because he came back and uh, AEW mm. must be shit because he didn't go there. So <laughs> I can't say it's impossible. It would sort of be smart to do it. But I also, I don't know, I, I'm an Occam's Razor kind of guy. Like, a thing probably is what it looks like uh, unless we see some strong evidence to the contrary. <laughs> yeah, the way we're going to do this show is we're going to try to take people the best we can at their word. We're, gonna, we're not going to assume first that Vince Russo is booking everything. There's <laughs> yes, a way to say that. You know, so if he stays with WWE, then nothing that we say after this um, is of any relevance. But we're assuming, we're taking everyone at their word right. that he is leaving after April. So the big obvious question, which will become more of a... Um, a bigger story next week when we really break down the story beyond Ambrose is do do we want to see Dean Ambrose potentially in AEW or do we not? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. This is why I really we'll talk about this over email when we're playing the show. But my gut feeling is so offended by WWE guys, but I know that I I can't do this show. I can be a wrestling fan and say, oh, anything's WWE, I want out of AEW because I, I don't want to see Bret Hart and Vince Russo coming in and fucking up my WCW, so to speak. <laughs> but as a as doing the podcast and trying to keep an open mind, which is what we try to do here, I need a week to separate. Here are the people I absolutely do not want to see under any condition. I do not care, and here's why. Um, here are people I might want to see. But then here are the bigger narratives of can this be beneficial for AEW or is it more trouble than it's worth? And I was going to save this for next week, but I'll talk about it a little bit this week and then next week. I, here's what I wish AEW would do. This is the, this might be the only path that makes me okay with them bringing in WWE guys. I wish and I hope and I wish I could just talk to them and be like, here's what I would like for you to do. Please listen to me one time. Um, I wish they would treat WWE in character, on camera, on shows, the way WWE treated WCW for 10 years. Act like you don't know it exists. There's so many WWE guys that I would be a lot less worried about them coming in if they can they can't shoot on how unhappy they were in WWE. They can't make an impact because they're coming from WWE. And I'm gonna call this the Ric Flair principle because they did this all the time, but they did it so well. Ric Flair, I watched this for this week. Ric Flair is on primetime wrestling with the NWA championship. Mm. And they still don't acknowledge that he's from another wrestling company. <laughs> he puts up one hand and says, Hulk Hogan, the WWF champion. Ric Flair, the champion of the world. So he's like this man with a belt that's never been in a wrestling company. But you know he matters because he's standing there with Bobby Heenan and he's got a belt. But there's not even a trace, even with the NWA title in your face, that he ever worked for that company. And so if John Moxley showed up and he was never Dean Ambrose as far as TV knows, I might be okay with that. But if Dean Ambrose shows up to tell us why he was unhappy in WWE and now he's going to be more creative and he's going to return, I'm not into that. Right. I don't want to hear you shoot. Save it for a podcast. So if they could do it, and I don't, like, even to be the great dicks that I feel like they can be by being super nice but doing things indirectly, if you want to acknowledge Ring of Honor New Japan when people come in, do that. Yeah. But when a WWE guy comes in, either act like 
they just come from wherever, like Ric Flair is the world champion of the world, or even like, oh, and last time we saw John Moxley, he was working in the so-and-so company, and, <laughs> you know, that and might, just yeah, okay. sell it so straight and so sober that you just don't know what WWE is. <laughs> that might be too far, but I totally get your idea. Um, I love the idea of Yad saying, oh, this man's been very successful in wrestling. Yeah. Like you said, um, equate uh, whatever else has happened to, oh, well, that's the rest of the world. You know, yeah. that's not, we don't have to talk about it. Because, um, yeah, they did that for Flair. They did that for Harley Race, for like every w, for every NWA champion they brought in. They brought in almost all of them. Um, they always said, oh, they were successful before. They were very vague about it, and I think yeah. it was to their credit, honestly, uh, they did it that way. Um, yeah, like you said, we'll talk about it more, but I'm with you. No shoots, no baloney of, oh, yeah, I'm going to come. Oh, God, when you said, like, I'm going to come here and be more creative. Like, yeah. that's that's the day I think I'll probably just turn off AEW and say, hey, let's do the Legacy Series again, yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly. Because um, I know that's just the opposite of what I want to see. We don't need what's, what's uh, you know, Ian D'Ambrose doing in the <laughs> AEW zone, you know, for God's sake. Um, yes. So none of that they need to be as far away from that kind of brand i think as they possibly can humanly be um as for whether it would be good to have him there or not short answer is um if he's motivated yes it's good if he's just sort of burnt out and he wants to you know work somewhere else no i think it would be terrible yes. uh, i think it was, nothing would be worse than to have the dean ambrose that we have seen over the past few years in wwe come to AEW and act the same, um, you know, because as much as some people like him, he hasn't really been a breakout star over there. You know, he's been uh, mishandled, yeah. I think. A lot of it is not his fault. But also, I think he's been very discouraged in the past few years. And if he brings that vibe over to AEW, I think really nothing could be worse for them. So... And I don't know how you tell that, like, at the negotiation table, so I don't envy them having to try to figure out who's going to come in and be like Christian Cage, like you mentioned, who's going to be like, you know, um, Bully Ray or, uh, you know, somebody else who kind of went out from WWE in the past and made more of themselves than they were before. Um, I don't know how you tell that, uh, but, you know, if you can, great. If not, yeah, I don't want to see burnt out people looking for a different corporate paycheck and yeah. just getting hired because they're a big name that's i never want to see that that's that's great and we'll, this also needs to be factored in next week when we're doing kind of the full-on segment is that so far what they're on what cody rose is on the record saying is that they want fresh talent yep and they want to honor the guys that were with them at all in the ones that were with them before they knew it would be a success not after yeah so how many WWE guys can you hire in succession before you're not on that trajectory anymore? Yeah, before you betray um, one of your kind of founding ideals. Yeah, I think that's a great idea for them to have. I think I talked last week about the loyalty factor that could be very big in a situation like this. Um, you know, one of the things that Dean Ambrose was reported to say as part of this negotiation was uh, it's not about money. And I think uh, more and more the current generation you know, they may value job fulfillment, creative yes. fulfillment, more than money. And I think that's great. I think it's a whole generation that was raised uh, idealistically on wrestling, watching the big characters, the moments, the stories, the stars, the bonafide, like, larger-than-life stars. And it's not really shocking to me that people who were raised in that way 
maybe very unhappy in WWE right now because I think that's not something they're necessarily excelling at right now. What they're excelling at, for better or worse, is like, oh, here's our brand. What a great brand. You know, we have so much programming. We signed every talent in the world. And, you know, they might not be special the way we're presenting them, but, man, we sure have them all, don't we? You know, so um, and that's kind of cynical. And if you have a different feeling about WWE out there, that's not, you know, that's fine. Please enjoy yourself by all means. But at the same time, recognize that what they're doing is not working for a lot of people. And that I think creates a really interesting opening right now. Yeah. Always on the show. My opinion doesn't mean you shouldn't have yours, you know, ever go out and enjoy it. I would enjoy WWE if I knew how to, I just (laughs) don't know how to. And you know, this, this also sets up success for people that love WWE because now, like, yeah, we've been horrible for about two decades, but now they, they let this person say two sentences that were their own. They've really let up there. Look how they're changing. So, sure, sure. you know, they can easily claim to hide. Even what you're saying about if this was a work, I hadn't thought of that. Then, you know, like as AEW and even Ring of Honor, like you said, other companies are getting guys and gals before WWE. And uh, so that would be a nice, like, it would be WWE right now to create a work where they get someone, you know, instead of the, <laughs> Yeah, wow. Now and everybody like that really that that's uh, that just changed the power dynamic at this moment. So. Right. Yeah. So that's my fear. But like I said, I'm sort of discounting that at the moment, uh, unless we see some evidence to the contrary. Here is my big fear, and we can talk about this more like, next week as well. But the Jack Swagger effect, uh, the right back, the Brock Lesnar, where Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> These guys though. There now you can find a bunch of reports on Brock Lesnar, Ryback, Jack Swagger because they've come out and said they might be interested in AEW. So it's not even AEW doing it; it's just guys creating the story themselves, and then it's and it becomes a thing. And like you said, I, you get any mix of Brock Lesnar, Ryback, Alberto Del Rio, and Jack Swagger, and I, I again, it's back to WWF the Legacy Series. <laughs> so I'm worried. I'm worried about that. I hope they will. What they need to realize and keep their standards and principles is they're not looking for a billionaire backer. They have one. They're not looking for a TV deal. They likely have one. So you can do some desperate things that I can forgive if you need a backer and you need a TV deal. You don't. So just because someone was world champion, just because Dolph Ziggler and Jack Swagger (laughs) and all these fuckers who haven't been relevant – you also need to think about this because my opinion, my head of paradigm shift on this show, and I love Christian, and I'm not blaming. Like I think TNA hiring Christian was the right thing. I think they messed up when they deferred to Kurt Angle, who never, whatever. But but when you look at the, you step back at wholesale. Here's what the, the guy who doesn't like TNA says: Christian Cage couldn't make it in WWE. He's a world champion in Impact. Mm-hmm. Kurt Angle's a strung out, strung out drug addict who needs to retire. In WWE, he's world champion in TNA. Mm. You know, so, yeah, think about what they might be able to bring to your company and also think about what they might take away from your image and your company. Absolutely. I talked before about, um, and again, I still haven't thought of a better word, the WWE stink, you know. Um, And you you may say it stinks or it doesn't stink, but their legacies are already created and uh, people are going to judge them based on that. And it's hard to overcome that. Um. I think there is room for people who have been in WWE to join AEW, but not at the top. Uh, I'll just say that as kind of a general line, and um, I don't know. You know, we'll see what it comes. Maybe, maybe you're right. You're kind of implying that maybe they shouldn't hire anybody who's been in WWE at least for a while, and maybe that will be the best thing for them. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. 
I don't know either. Um, I think even Dean Ambrose having the name John Moxley makes it a little more um, appetizing. As long as they don't have the stupid, um, here he is shooting to make an impact moment. Yeah. You know, I think you got an advantage if you're someone who was John Moxley. And WWE never lets you. They put you standing with Mick Foley at the beginning of your career in a potential angle, but they never let you get close to being who you are. So that's that's an advantage in that he, if he was John Moxley by name and John Moxley by attitude, then he's nothing that existed in WWE versus right. what is Jack Swagger's not Jack Swagger name? Oh, Jake Hager, his real name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like all this shit. You know, it's so Jack Swagger. It's like, you know, <laughs> he hasn't moved an inch off Jack Swagger because he's right. nothing like to me. I'm proud of the dude. Go to, go to whatever, go to whatever mixed martial arts and like do that thing. Please. Because you're not, yeah. <laughs> you're not a personality. You're not a character and you're not going to bless any company with your presence. Go go be well in, in, in MMA. Right back. You know, like, I don't know what to say. Well, wait, I can't even right now. But, like, you know, you got to be really careful. You got to be really, really careful because enough of these guys, and there's so many ways to go wrong, and I'm sure they know that. But, man, next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will not only do our top five uh, WWE stars who we least, least want to see in AEW and why. But we will try to go full into pros and cons, good and bad, rights and wrongs of what they can do. I wouldn't mind in, in a perfect world. I, would I mind seeing John Moxley and Kenny Omega? Probably not. But like, how many things can go wrong in the meantime? So right, yeah. next week. Woo. Okay. Really quick. Uh, Kenny Omega is a free agent. Um, I sent you a little bit of stuff from being the elite because. One point that I really like, and I've said this on the show already, is they're not they're not letting like the internet kind of just like even if we know from news reports that Kenny Omega, for instance, is likely going to the AEW, they probably turned down WWE. Like they're doing their own stories. Everything's getting a narrativized version, and I I like that a lot. Hmm. I like, um, I'm not sure completely how I felt about all of these segments, but one thing I definitely liked is uh, they play it, yeah, a little bit close to the vest. They tell things in their own way, uh, and they leave they leave it to the fan base to kind of connect some of the dots, which is what I think a lot of fans love to do now. They like to have that interactive portion where you kind of might have to go over the video and, like, look for the clues and kind of yeah. figure out, oh, what does this mean and talk about it, and I think... That's very smart. I think that's a good way to uh, to present. <laughs> I do think it's smart as well that Marty, who's likely coming in last, knows the least about it, is the most, is handling it the worst. Mm-hmm. Because, and not only Bill's story, if you'll watch it, uh, being the elite, which a couple hundred thousand, I think, do weekly, then it, but it also, that would be interesting. Well, And we, we can throw this into future conversations about, you know, how you handle these guys all together. But maybe Marty is never quite the same for how all this went down. Yeah. You know, he seems to have a lot of issues with being like kind of neglected and left and thought of as less, you know, so maybe you get a Marty who maybe tries, but he's not exactly, it's just not the same after that. So, um, I thought it was very interesting. Marty throwing his new year's party. Kenny Omega apparently doesn't drink is there. And, and it's his second time. Like I, I like the little touches because he, he runs down everybody in being the elite because they're not at his New Year's party. And then the party continues on. Then he goes back. He's, he's more drunk and he's doing it again. And apparently they've been standing there the entire time. Uh, poor Marty doesn't know it. 
So, but they're still forgiving of him, which again, if you know narratives and storylines, that also has potential because you why are you so forgiving of Marty? Like he just talks shit about everybody in the group, but there's there's, there's all there's almost this well he's he's the little guy in the group. He's he's harmless. He's got a bark but not a bite. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think within that there's a lot of ways that uh, Marty could be interesting going forward. I think so. I can see that. Um yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to see how they incorporate stuff like this into AEW, if they do. Um, yeah, I don't know much more to say about it than that. That's also with the friendships. Like, if they don't want to be so explicit on TV, they still have those other avenues. So, right, yeah, that's true. You know. So what would you say? Um, we got Double or Nothing coming up, which is the, the, the next show after All In. Mm-hmm. How do you define double or nothing as a success or failure because some of the narratives with all in it won't sell out 10,000 it did the next narrative it sold out in 30 minutes you know it was a success on tv and pay-per-view in the arena with the Starcast crew so this is a bigger arena do they have to sell it out do they have to have a 30 minutes where something pops really hard do they have to do something that is aew related this time because it's not a one-off show like how how will they end up uh, with this show defined as a success, or how will they de- do you think they'll end up with this show defined as a failure? I think if they want to be seen as most successful, uh, they do need to sell out, because uh, I think if they don't, right or wrong, they're going to lose some of the buzz that they've had. And people will say, you know, oh, I guess, you know, fans were not as excited for this as maybe we thought we were. Um <laughs> And that uh, it doesn't even make sense, because why would you, if you're excited, be less excited if they sold out or not? But yet that is kind of what happens, um, because people like to feel that they're rate, they're riding kind of like the wave of success. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it'll be a failure if they don't sell out. If they sell more tickets than all in, I think uh, that'll be an easy thing to point to if they sell less then I think they are maybe in trouble. And then I think people will say, well, okay, I guess it's kind of dying off already. Um, and then they'll sort of be in a hole a little bit. Um, as far as what they present, I don't think they have to do like the start of the AEW brand, but I think they need to do something to tie it into the company because they've made very much ado about this company coming into existence. Um, and it is basically the brand of the show. So if you don't give people something to kind of grab onto, I think people will be disappointed. I don't know what that looks like. Um, just as long as it's something, then I think they'll be fine as far as the presentation goes. Yeah, I think I agree with most of that. So I haven't even thought about them selling fewer tickets than they did for All In, but I myself would consider that a tough failure if that happened. Yeah. Because you're going forward with TV, you're taking talent, and you know, and you're going backward. It's a bad, bad look. And who knows? Like people, a lot of people said, Chicago was ideal because you can get there from almost anywhere, you know, sure. in the United States at least. So will Vegas provide that? Plus, it's a bigger arena. Um, I think they need they need a lot of they need a lot of buzz early. They need, they need to move a lot of tickets early, and then whether they sell out or not, they need to be plus ten thousand, twelve thousand, fourteen, whatever. They need to be plus that whatever yeah. mark, and. If we're keeping the idea that perhaps they're going to be on TV in late this year, I think they need to do a little bit storyline-wise. But to me, still, the Jacksonville show should be when something really pops off in a way that it gets a lot more serious. So it needs to be 
in my mind, it needs to be more than what All In was, but less than what Jacksonville will be. Right, right. So we transition event, um, but it's still got to stand on its own. You know, it's yeah. going to be judged very much by itself because it's sort of out there all alone. Um, you know, it doesn't have a TV on either side to kind of support it. So yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's going to have to be something big in and of itself. How do you feel about the moving tickets? What's your gut feeling? Uh, I'm optimistic. I, um, I feel like they're, I don't know. It's not, it's not the same buzz that it was for all in, I think, but I don't want to take that as a negative sign. Um, because all in was sort of like, wow, this could be like a once in a lifetime thing and double or nothing. Um, just by its nature, like by its very name is not that, uh, you know, it's kind of the second one, but there's a lot of excitement about AEW in general, and um, I think they'll do pretty well with ticket sales. I can't say for sure if they'll sell out, of course. Uh, I hope they will, though. Yeah, in my mind, they'll at least surpass All In. I would think so. I would hope so, just because they sold that out so fast. Uh, I can't believe interest has fallen enough, especially because everyone, everyone's talking about AEW right now. So, you know, I, I think there is uh, a lot of excitement there still. Yeah, I don't think they're randomly putting themselves out there. No, you know, I think yeah. they probably know things. And also, StarCast is coming back, so it's another three- or four-day event. And that's yep, yep. N- nothing would make my heart happier than if we get maybe four to six pay-per-views a year. You know, they talk about longer storylines. What if you don't do pay-per-view, you know, every month, and then when you do it, you oh, have these uh, weekends? Yeah. <laughs> because I, I've already – I've got a hotel. I don't know if I'm going yet because I can get my refund. Uh, my I, my first requirement was that they signed Pentagon and they did that, but there's something about am I going to travel when I'm busy when money is important? Am I going to travel to see a a four hour event, or am I going to travel to see a four day event with all these guys who I grew up with? You know, when you make it a weekend like that, you you do so much. So. Yeah, that's important, and I think it'll be to their benefit if they do, yeah, a limited number of these events per year. Yes. Very much so, I believe the all-in crowd uh, was a traveling crowd. You know, it's yeah. a lot of people who would have gone to a lot of different places. You know, if all-in hadn't happened, maybe they would have gone to one of the New Japan U.S. shows. I actually remember there was one close to that that didn't sell out, and I think that's because those same fans spent their money on all-in, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's kind of a finite number of fans who may be willing to travel out for that kind of thing. And I don't know how often, and yeah, you're going to have to do more maybe than just a one day event. Um, so yeah, you may benefit a lot from limiting yourself to uh, a smaller number of special shows. And then wherever you set up for your TV, you know, you can build your dedicated audience there. It's a different kind of thing. Absolutely. Okay. So what do we have next? Ms. Fan. Uh, next, we have the uh, Convince Me segment. Um, you asked me to kind of just uh, take the lead on this. So I uh, was picking between uh, Joey Janelle and Jungle Boy, who at the time was the most recent signing. Um, I guess you don't need to convince me. I'm the Lucha Brothers, so we'll leave them aside. Uh, maybe maybe yeah, one day. Yeah. We, <laughs> maybe, yeah, who knows. Um, I'm sure they've done a lot that you haven't seen. They've done a lot I haven't seen, yeah. you know, to be honest. But um but yeah, put aside Jungle Boy for now, because uh, he's a guy who really has very, not that many really matches under his belt, even. Uh, I think they're signing him more on potential, and just as a guy who can have buzz. Um, so I'm going to go with Joey Janela, because we talked last week, you weren't that familiar with him. We watched that MJF match, which I thought was not 
the best way to present him necessarily. So I was interested to see what we could talk about looking at some more of his stuff. So uh, Joey Janela, a man who in the past WrestleMania weekend last year sold out uh, 1,500 seats, um, one of the biggest indie shows uh, of that weekend, and who has sold even more for a multi-day event. Uh, the coming WrestleMania weekend has already surpassed what he had done before. So a guy with buzz, a guy on the rise, and a guy who is, I think, more than just a wrestler. And I included some bonus stuff to kind of maybe put that across. I think he's a guy who has shown um, he's very creative. He's good at promoting things, even if he's not uh, directly involved like in the match itself. And I think he taps into kind of a special kind of fan interest and connection. Um, I wrote in my notes that he's got ECW energy, mm. um, which I think uh, is really valuable. I don't think he's a guy you could necessarily build a national company around, but I think he's a really useful character and uh, and mind to kind of have on your team. So uh, that's sort of my Joey Janela introduction, um, and I'm curious to see as we go through some of these matches and promos. Yeah, I think you said well. He taps in to a certain fan interest, and I will just say on the top, off the top, I am not that fan. <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, I I will not save the uh, suspense to the end. Um, I will have some good things to say. I will have some negative things to say. But I am not convinced of one Joey Janela, and that is that is not to say that they should not have hired him. I absolutely like hats off respect to anybody who's out there like selling out fifteen hundred seats, putting guys on, you know taking advantage of WrestleMania. I love that. Like, um, that's become a wave. A lot of the podcasts are doing that now and more power to them. So I respect the hell out of that. That said, I am not a hardcore fan, so I'm not into that part of him. Sure. And then the guy, he doesn't do it for me. And inter- interestingly enough, there'll be a note somewhere. I said, all wild eyed and out of shape, looking like Marty DeMoss younger brother. <laughs> but I do like Marty DeMoss though, but I, yeah. Okay, sure. so that's... yeah, I would put Marty the Moth over Joey Janela uh, as far as his on-screen performance goes. Um, I think Jeno maybe brings more in a different way, but uh, we can talk about that as far as we kind of know about it. Um, so yeah, we had everyone... two matches and a promo and a little bit of bonus stuff. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I was say everyone's at a disadvantage when I'm watching because I've got to get used to the the arena or gymnasium. I got to get used to the <laughs> announcers and their comedy. Sure. You know. Yep. So it's all brand new. So I say everybody's at a disadvantage. And so what I what I am doing personally, I, I'll talk about. We're smart enough to talk about. I, I can see ways he might be good for the company. But then at the end of the day, when I on the convince me the ultimate verdict, am I going to watch AEW AEW in part to see this guy? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And right now, no, I will not. So sure, sure, and I think that's very fair. Um, and I think as you mentioned, uh, there are other fans who may watch you know specifically yeah. for him i think it's good they're tapping into a lot of different stuff and it's going to be a question of finding a way what's the best way to use all of these people um and i don't know the answer to that uh i like janella the performer i don't know if i love him but i like some of the things he brings a lot um so talk, yeah. what do you like what do you like best about him as, as a performer uh as a performer like in the ring um yeah. i i am a fan uh, to an extent of hardcore style. I don't like it exclusively, but I like when there is a guy who can come to a match and you kind of know 
oh, wow, he's going to bring something different. I always like Sabu for that reason, because um, you're like, wow, he's going to take this to a hardcore place. The guy he's wrestling is going to have to wrestle his match. He's going to have to adapt. He's going to have to find a way. Does he try to match him with kind of this, like, violent daredevil stuff? Does he find a way to try to neutralize it? Does he try to out-wrestle him? Does he try to out-crazy him? Uh, I feel like Janela is a guy who forces other wrestlers to adapt and kind of go out of their comfort zone, and that's that's something I appreciate. That's a smart read because, um, at least with the first match we're, that we were talking about is Cody Rhodes versus um, Joey Janela from Russell Pro 5 2017, and he definitely makes Cody Rhodes go outside of what you would think Cody Rhodes has shown up there to do. Yeah, yeah. I think just by being there, he throws out a challenge. It's like, well, you're not, you know, if you were going to do a wrist lock on me, I'm sorry, because there are going to be thumbtacks in this match, you know? So yeah. that can have drawbacks as well, because you can easily, I think, get um, desensitized to that, and people already are to some extent. But, I don't know, used well, I find it very interesting. I always like when a hardcore guy shows up and kind of changes the conversation a little bit because you never know exactly where he's going to push the match. Um, so I think there's some value in that. I absolutely like the variety. But I think in you know, some of these segments I'm going to be old man, you know, screaming at the sky or whatever because... <laughs> sure, you're going to be um, Luthez and Vern Gagne after that uh, that McFoley match in yeah. uh, one of the, the slamberies or whatever, you know, <laughs> came in and said... What is this stupid shit, you know, pretty much? So it's a fair read also, I think. I need to go back and watch that because the one thing I take, like, I don't mind Spot Fest and I don't mind Hardcore, but I don't care if it's, like, two guys wrestle an amateur-style match, but if there's no psychology right. or, or, I decide to, or I'm put off by it, then that's where my problem comes in. Sure. And for me, it's not all the weapons that are used, but it's at times, like, what am I supposed to think these weapons? Because sometimes they're brought out and it's like, this is going to be brutal. And they're like, oh, he stood right up from it. So I'm like, I don't know how I'm supposed to be taking like, or like uh, the thumbtacks are in the ring. And I think the chair is on Cody's stomach. So the spot is doing a, a, um, a stop off the top rope on the chair on Cody. But then he flips himself into the thumbtacks. But because that's not spot part of the spot, then it has no like, has no damage, even though like two shiny objects ago, that was the shiny object, but that, that was two shiny objects ago. Right. So it's not to me. I have no problem with any style, but I am going to be in the camp of the old man Jake Roberts type of all oh, back in my day. You know, like I do want to see psychology, and I don't care, but I I just need to know, like as a fan, as an audience, unless it's some super postmodern shit, like most books you read. After you read a chapter or so, you're going to know what genre it is. You're going to know, like, how to take up the reading. Right. So I need to know how to take up the weapons. I need to know how to take up the style. I need to know if this is going to – has the potential to break someone's back or if they just jump up and wave around. You know, I need to have some – maybe if I watch more matches, I would know. But for this match, I like some of the spots. I like they took Cody out of his comfort zone. But I got irritated a lot by the fact that I did, had no idea – you know, what the take-up was from each, like, shiny object. <laughs> and uh, that's fair, and I think uh, it's a factor of hardcore matches being very common now, is that uh, everyone has a slightly different way to interpret, uh, I'll say, the language of a hardcore match, like these weapons, how much do they mean, 
what do they mean at different times? Um, and yeah, you're, you're right. Um, if you bring out something and it means something, and then a minute later it doesn't mean something, that you know that's not going to do you any favors, I think. Um, and it's something I think a lot of fans, maybe even me, sort of just kind of take as a side effect of the style. But uh, it's not my favorite thing, and uh, it is something I can easily see that you could have a problem with. So uh, I definitely get where you're coming from as well. Which match did you prefer of the two? So we also have PCO versus Joey Janela, and we have Cody Rose versus Joey Janela. I think I preferred the PCO match because I thought um, I liked the presentation a little more. I like PCO quite a bit coming in, so I had a bit of a bias. Uh, I thought there were some nice cinematic moments in mm. that one um, that uh, that impressed me. Uh, I like both of these matches pretty well. I'd probably go a little bit with the PCO match personally. Okay. I thought, yeah, I don't, I don't, they were, they were, they were very different in a way in that I think Cody and uh, PCO are very different. Yeah, they reacted very differently, which is another, like I was saying, I like the people react differently to Joey Janela. You kind of have to, you don't uh, have the option of just kind of having one strategy against the guy. Yeah, so um, with the, with the Cody match, you know, I'm pretty sure Cody's going to win, but you know. A lot of kickouts, a lot of so, you know. Yeah, I think they did a good job because the commentators also really seemed to expect Cody to win coming in. And by the end, they were really selling me. You know, they weren't perfect commentators. They were selling me the idea that maybe, hey, Janela can actually win this match. Um, and he didn't. And I liked that Cody um, finished him off. You know, he kind of uh, brought it back to wrestling yeah. at the very end. He kind of used some of Janela's stuff against him. He, like, pushed him off onto the ladder. And then uh, Janela was sort of too broken to keep going and uh, tried to keep rushing in headlong, and Cody finished him off with a nice wrestling move. So I thought that was a, a decent bit of story uh, yeah. kind of at the end there. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, some different arena for the PCO match. The crowd, not really a separation between wrestlers and crowd. So, yeah. you know, there's a whole different vibe, uh, PCO, like a, a whole different dude. Uh, this one, you kind of get, you know, whereas maybe Cody... Cody is almost maybe the old boxer trick of letting him punch himself out with the hardcore stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, PCO standing right there with him. Yeah, PCO is a guy who's going to try to out-crazy Janela. Um, and uh, I, what I liked really, I like cinematic moments in matches if they're done well. What I really liked in this one um, is at one point, uh, GCW uses these kind of doors which are a little bit flimsy a little silly uh in my opinion but they can be fun anyway i really liked when janela put one kind of over pco's head and broke through him and pco um you know is so hopped up on whatever he's going through that he kind of reached up and he snapped it torture rack style and yeah. then immediately dives through janela um to me that was exciting to someone else i could say oh well you know that door i guess it didn't mean much um and, you know, that's an accurate read as well. I think it maybe depends on how much uh, you, you can get into the match. Yeah. So that's, that, and that's a double-edged sword because mm -hmm. um, how much can you get into the match and then how much can these people bring you into it? So, like, right. if I already like Janela, I'd probably be forgiving some of the things I'm condemning. But this is not a discourse community that I am part of. Like, when, like let's say I am a fan of GCW and I'm a fan of Joey Janela and I love PCO's return, and I love all this stuff, then I'm saying, okay, I don't really like what he just did, but like I can learn to like it, you know, or I can I either can overlook it or I can learn to like it. So for me, I didn't like, as an older 
fan not plugged into this world. Like, I didn't really enjoy when um, they're on that second deck and PCO does the razor toss over his head. Like, I liked that part. I was like, shit, that's cool. He's going to throw him off the balcony with the overhead toss, but then the, like, the fans catch him and do kind of just uh, body surfing, and then he's okay because the fans call him and he body surfed. <laughs> sure. Um, and I, I like that. I You know, I, I said before, he's kind of got an ECW energy, and that's, I think, very much something that you would have seen um, at the height of that promotion. You know, it was similar in and of itself, just with the body surfing to, you know, the, the Spike Dudley, Bam Bam yeah. Bigelow thing. Um, uh, but I don't think it was necessarily even trying to be. It's something that sort of just happened organically because nobody told these fans, "Hey, go body surf Joey Janela." You know, they just they were they were in the moment. They were really caught up. Um, you don't so have to tell fans in this era to be part of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Up. That's very true. They're all taking notes from from that ECW vibe as well. They want to be part of the show um, because they've been told that that's what they should do. You know, by pretty much everyone. So. Um, but no, it's really valuable. I like having your perspective a lot on these because a lot of people are probably going to watch AEW that don't know these people as well. So it's going to be yeah. important. Like, are they going to translate? Uh, is AEW going to be able to find a way to present them in a way that people will respond to? I don't know. It'll be very interesting. So so I'm glad uh, to have your take on that. Uh, I do think Janelle has some drawbacks in the ring. I like him overall. I can see, though, why you wouldn't. So uh, I'm interested to know what they do with him. The question is, if we want AEW to succeed and they are doing something for us, how sophisticated can a fan group be? True. You know, true. because like I said, at All In, like, there are matches I had zero interest in, but man, I enjoyed watching other people enjoy them. And I didn't feel isolated because there was like four matches <clears throat> or so at least that I loved that, that I felt like were booked for me. So, right. you know, like you've already said it, and, and I think it's... I'm going to bash Eric Bischoff a lot when his name comes up, but if, if the man deserves credit for something, like he gave us he gave us a successful cruiserweight division when it failed so many times or didn't get treated right so many times. And when you can watch Nitro and watch that cruiserweight division and that TV title division and that tag team division and that world title scene, you know, maybe everything's not for you, but if you can get two or three out of those that you love, man, you're being done well. So can AEW present... A variety of styles, you know, or are they gonna fall into a trap of one or two things? Mm. It's a big, it's a big question. A lot of big questions on that table is gonna break eventually for what's on the table right now. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So, so um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, Janela brings what he brings. Um, we have a couple other things to talk about. Um, we had a promo as well, uh, a match after a very bloody match, a guy called David Starr, who I'm also a big fan of, who I almost put on my list uh, of five. Um, so we may talk about him in the future. I have but, good uh, things to say about David Starr as well. Oh, great. Yeah, no, please, by all means, uh, take take the floor then. Let's okay, talk so about the this. Promo, I, li- I liked... Oh, God. I like Joey Janela's promo better than I liked his matches, but there was still enough Joey Janela for me to be turned off by the end. <laughs> so, that's I the best way. It. Okay. Like, a lot of profanity, you know, yep. it'll be interesting to see, because, like, Shane Douglas, a lot of people, I was a Shane Douglas fan, but I had never heard profanity like that, and so I don't, I still don't know. He never really translated anywhere else as part of it, that scene and that vibe and that allowance, so... You know, it'd be interesting to see that. I don't get the bad boy thing. He doesn't strike me as, unless it's ironic, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but he just doesn't strike me that way. But the David Starr thing, 
Okay, so if I like Joey Janela's wrestling the least, and his promos better than that, my favorite easily was the uh, videos that you sent and the, the I guess the Booker or hype man in him. Yes, I think that could actually be the most valuable thing he brings to the table. Um, because I sent you three videos. Um, one was sort of a serious one, announcing he was going to wrestle uh, great Sasuke. And uh, another good thing about Janela is he has shown great appreciation for, like, wrestlers of uh, of the past, you know, who can still be brought out and shock people with what they can do. He was one of the people who helped PCO kind of get back to the spotlight and kind of uh, people shocked people with, wow, you know, this guy, we thought that, you know, he was dead or something, and now he can do all these different things. Um there was one uh, for a Pentagon Nick Gage match yep. that was in the form of like a music video that I thought was really well put together. Um, but what did you think of these? I shouldn't go through them. You should. Okay, so with Davis, we saw David Starr in the ring with the first promo before we saw the videos, correct? Right. So he's looking to me like kind of like I, I I can't think of the dude's name. He was on the ranch, um, but he got in trouble I think maybe for sexual harassment. He's taking out the show. Oh boy. Maybe he <laughs> maybe he was that '70s show too because that's um. It's the same, uh, what's his name? Who's who's the famous dude from that uh, 70s show? Ashton Kutcher? Yeah, so okay. they're both on that, we're on that show. But he, uh, all right, here's a bearded man, and he's being mocked for being kind of a liberal type guy. I was like, okay. I didn't think much of David Starr you know, on the receiving end of that tirade. And then I watched the David Starr uh, Quackenbush video. Mm, yeah. Oh, God, the the way he talks him up and to, to end, and I don't know how much is him because this is also just good booking, but then at the end, Make me one of your last matches. It's just such, like, it's an epic line in the way it's followed up by the dude. I mean, like, all right. You know, to <laughs> me, I love the build and delivery. And so I left that saying, hey, I want to see that match. You know, I want to see what happens. Like, I like, this is something else we don't talk about enough in wrestling. Like, every feud or match doesn't have to come the same way. Right. And that's such a that's such an interesting request. And I don't know. I don't know how sincere David Starr is. I don't know how he behaves in the match. I don't know. But like, you know, it's hard to say no to that request. Mm. You know, so I like that a lot. And then opposite of that, because that was so tame, especially with all the other stuff we're watching in this convince me segment. Then you got this um, Pentagon Nick Cage video. Wow, that's that's a lot. Um, that dude is is a little scary to me. <laughs> um, now if he's hardcore like I or if he's called the bad boy then I'm like okay I'm not questioning your name right. sir, and please don't even look at me or know that I exist because I don't want any problems and so he's up there first and like I'm 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 convinced the whole time of him but then Pentagon's up there for like one sentence and Pentagon's got so much flair that I was so impressed with Cage but then I'm like no you got dwarfed by one sentence but then I'm like, did you? And so, like, I want to see that matchup for completely different reasons. Then I want to see David Starr versus Quackenbush. And then for the final one, I thought that was set up well. But, again, you have all the attitude of an 80s hair band. So, like, <laughs> it still feels like you're being ironic. But I know you're not being ironic. But I, the, the video I could least buy into was the one that had him in it. So. Sure, sure. And but. I think there may even be a degree with irony with Joey Janela, because, yeah, he's not the bad boy. Certainly, yeah, not in the way like Nick Gage is. He's not a bad boy who's going to, like, murder you necessarily. Uh, there is something weirdly 80s, like early 90s about yes. him. He's sort of a bad boy in that sense. And I think if you watch it more, you may get a better grasp on that, that he's kind of aware of that, and he kind of, like, works himself around to that. 
And the idea is like, I'm sort of a goof, but I'm also taking like these big chances. Yeah. I kind of know the right things to do at the right times. I don't know. I think Janelle will never be your favorite guy in the ring, but I'm really glad you like these videos because there's a whole lot of them out there and they're all very different. Um, one is like a video game. One is like kind of a parody sort of thing. One is like an old action movie. Um, there's so many different ideas that this guy has rolled out to promote these matches. And I think that more than anything is why these special like spring break events and all the associated ones have been successful because people like this presentation. They like how different all these matches feel. There's really no sense of like, oh, we're going to have a bunch of super indie matches, you know, that we, we have big indie names and they're going to wrestle an indie match. No, it's like every match is kind of different and special. Yeah. And I think that's great. And I think that's maybe the greatest value that he can bring to the promotion. So I really hope he's involved creatively and promotionally because I think, yeah, even even more than his wrestling or his promos, that could be his greatest contribution. Absolutely. I think if you're a straight intellectual, you might not get – like you guys can deconstruct storytelling, but you couldn't create it. Mm. And to me, something that he has, he gets nuance, he gets vibe and feel. So the music that's playing, the kind of sentences, where people are standing, what they're surrounded by. Like he gets, he knows how to inject vibe and nuance into these videos. And they're not, not one of them is like the other. Right, right. Absolutely so. So I hope. AEW, you know, they use that money to pair him with somebody. Uh, I know he had a partner before, Giancarlo DeTamo, um, who edited a lot of these videos. He was, I think, signed off by WWE. Um, but I hope if they pair Janela with the right person creatively who can help him kind of make these things come to life, I think uh, it's going to be a huge benefit to them. Yeah, man. So this is what Jericho hit on, right or wrong, you know. I think Jericho is a big talker right now, and a lot of stuff that he says should be taken with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But one thing he hit right is that almost everybody that they signed in the first wave is an independent free thinker who got over with their mind separate from pretty much what anybody else was doing to get yeah, over. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a huge thing he brings. I agree. Yeah, so on that point, I, I, I believe I am convinced of Joey Janela as a creative mind. And so I am excited about the idea of this mini – it could be a clusterfuck, you know, <laughs> but this many creative minds. Yeah. Yeah. You know how hard, like, if I was the Young Bucks, I hate this because in, in, <sighs> my personality is within a framework. I am more, I like to be more creative. I like to be more trickster. I like to just do my own thing. But I always need the comfort. I feel like of the big frame. And I, it ends up not doing me well most of the time, so I don't know why I do it. <laughs> So I think if I was the Young Bucks, I would have just went to WWE and been like early on and been a jobber slash maybe tag team champions one day and then nobody the next and had my career defined. Like, I don't know that I could just be like, no, I'm going to be like they talked about, OK, and how many stories are true? And how many are embellished? Even if they're embellished, again, this is nuance and vibe. They have they have a hint of it's truth compiled. But the story that they tell is that one of the brothers had to give the other brother food to eat. Mm. on the road because yeah. he didn't have the money to eat a meal and they're like we we can't do this and we have got to you know we've got to do something we got to take our lives in our own hands and that's you know how to them at least what they tell that's how the merchandising and all that started because like just kind of the shame and reality of one of the brothers having to feed the other because he can't buy lunch for himself right you know and so to to resist the contracts 
and to not quit the sport and to go out there, there's something really impressive about that that we don't talk enough about. And you got a lot of guys that do it, and we're going to put them together, and it's either going to be a disaster or it's going to be something really cool. But we're going to see an experiment here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm very excited to see what comes of it, and that's all I'll say for now. Nice. So we are closing up with reading rumors or what I heard from the Google machine. <laughs> Jim Ross. Okay. So Jim Ross has been rumored to be tied with AEW since before we knew what AEW was. He came out swinging that he and Jericho were not putting their money into a wrestling company back when that was the rumor. Mm. But uh, we know his contract is up at the end of March. Jim Ross has recently come out and talked about that. Uh, he's talked about he likes the way AEW's marketing. He talked about how he can pretty much do anything because uh, he's in a place in his life right now that he said he doesn't have to worry about putting uh, food on the table, is what he said. Right. So... um. Chances that we see Jim Ross in AEW, and how do you feel about it? Do you want Jim Ross in AEW? I'm really not sure. I think it's definitely possible we see Jim Ross in AEW. I mean, like you said, he's kind of been linked for a while. Um, so it'd be a little surprising if he doesn't show up in some capacity. I don't know if I feel like it's a good thing or not. Uh, on the plus side... He's Jim Ross. He's got the name value. He's got the legacy as one of the greatest commentators, I think, in the history of wrestling. Um, and at his best, I think he can still be really good. I haven't heard him that much in the past few years, but I've heard a few matches where I thought he did pretty well still. Um, you know, he's still Jim Ross. He's got that aspect to him. Uh, he also has a history as a talent scout, which might be useful to the promotion, um, although I don't know if he's going to know the indies better than the Young Bucks um, or any yeah. other people involved. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know, though. Some of the commentary I've heard, it it doesn't give me the same spark, maybe, as, like, peak Jim Ross, and maybe that's not a fair thing to expect, and I know he's a lot older, and uh, I, I believe his wife passed away recently, which had a big personal effect on him, of course. Um, I don't know. Um, we've talked a lot about fresh faces, and I don't know if Jim Ross is a fresh face that you want to put on AEW. So I could see it going well. I could see it being a misstep. I could see it maybe not even happening. You know, maybe you'll have a different role in the promotion. Um, but, yeah, I'm not – I'm mixed on it. I'll just say I'm mixed on it. Okay. I started mixed on it, and I come in as of this taping as a big yes on it. Okay. And yes, with uh, like many things, with um some some uh, conditions. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're paid. Like we got good money in AEW, so to me, like this is a man who would kiss Vince McMahon's bare ass for his contract. So sure. you know, if you're gonna get paid like AEW, you need to be you know, be willing to play the game. And so, no fucking cowboy hat ever seen on TV. Oh wow. Never call JR. Your name is Jim Ross. Part that fucking hair to the side. Those are my conditions. That's it. You know, again, nothing WWE related. So just transport him directly from 1991. And, uh, yeah. Well, then, do you think there's really a chance that they'll do that? Because look at what the Young Bucks are fans of. They love the Attitude Era, you know. So if they bring in Jim Ross, he's going to be. Good old cowboy Jr. I don't you know. Want I that. just don't see a chance that he wouldn't be that. If that's what he's gonna be, I don't want him in the company. Okay, um, all right, <laughs> that's fair. I will say this because I I, I watched in the last few years. I ordered one uh, New Japan pay per view, and I've watched some of Jim Ross. So I've watched. I heard a whole night of Jim Ross calling that, and then I've heard matches here and there. Mm -hmm. And 
to me, he he is more Jim Ross than he is good old Jr. And those, um, he's not hooting, hollering as much, and making noises <laughs> like he's talking with an announcer. And I like him there. Like there's something that's familiar for me and my generation about ha- having Jim Ross. So here's what I would pair Jim Ross with a Matt Stryker type as far as someone who knows everything that's happened in pro wrestling that Jim Ross doesn't know. Right. Like someone who's plugged in. And so then Jim Ross kind of kind of um, courts a certain age and audience and the other announcer courts another. But the only struggle I saw from Jim Ross in New Japan is that he doesn't know what the hell's going on as far as. Right. Know, but, I think that's the big question. Can he be motivated enough to keep up? Because uh, I haven't heard it, but I've definitely heard there have been some shows where he's like calling people the wrong name, where he clearly is sort of lost a little bit. And I think if you get any of that, you're going to look terrible, you know, especially if like it's your first episode of TV yeah. or something. So it, it's dangerous a little bit, I think. Well, I think you fire him after the show if he does that. But Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you need to. Because to me, the difference is where it should not be this. If it's a possibility of that, then I also don't hire him. But to me, the difference is you can't go back and know all of New Japan if you don't know it unless you do a lot of work. Whereas sure. if you're calling AEW from the day it starts, then you ought to know the history because it's starting like in front of your face. You know, I don't need him to know where Joey Janela worked before he came to AEW. If anybody, if they're going to talk about those kind of things, then Mr. Matt Stryker type can do that and he'll right. be glad to show off. Um, but like with Jim Ross, like, I was watching Will, Will Ospreay versus, um, versus Marty and Jim Ross is like, I mean, when did this start? Because like he knows the history that Marty always gets in magic. Like they started, I think when they were teenagers. So was it then, was it some other time that their paths crossed? And I was like, like, he doesn't know anything. Right. But I don't see, like if he's so not committed that he, he can't remember what he called the week before, then that's a different problem. But I like he reminds me of better times as an older wrestling fan. Right. And he does bring, okay, so his negative is he's not plugged in like he should. His positive is he does bring, even the way he talks about matches is different than newer guys. So yeah. I'd like to generate, instead of having good guy, bad guy, maybe have generational guys. You know, they just do different things. So I like the idea of Jim Ross as, again, and I started this with as long as it's like, Treat if you can treat AEW like you treat a WWE. If you if you can't do that, then you don't deserve money from the company. Right. So we'll see, we'll see. For sure. I do think you should want to court young and older fans if you're trying to build a big audience. I do think you need to play to both worlds. So that's something else I have in mind. Yeah, that that's fair. I think if you can get an ideal Jim Ross, a plugged in Jim Ross, yeah. like you said, then that's great. I don't see a good reason you wouldn't do that. Um, but I, I'm just not sure. That's the Jim Ross that you'll get. And I do wonder a little, and I don't necessarily think this will be a problem, but how do you, coming up as a fan of all things wrestling, of like, like, like you're a huge fan, could you fire Jim Ross, you know, to his face, like with everything that you, you think of him? And, you know, I, maybe that's not the best example, but like, how do you fire someone who might be like a hero to you? You know, I would, yeah. I don't know. I could fire him in a heartbeat because I, (laughs) I I just remembered that, yeah, you don't always love Ross actually, but yeah, when I listen to his podcast, he seems like a cold man. And so like, whether he is or he isn't like, I know what Jim Ross would do and probably has done in some of his roles in WWE. Right. So I wouldn't fire him easily, but like, if you said, if he comes in and like, he doesn't know, like what the hell's going on in the company he's calling you. I don't know what other options you have. Right, yeah, of course. Um, 
So yeah, like I said, I haven't seen that part firsthand, but it's something that they're going to have to bear in mind and not um, be, I don't want to say starstruck, but you know, you like you were kind of saying before, like if you're already a huge fan of a person, you might forgive or even like not yeah. notice like certain problems, but you know, other people are going to notice. So uh, it's a tough balance, I think potentially. I think you need to talk to all these guys about what they see their legacy, not in the past, but like. I would like in, in talks. I would I would drill down on. I know what your legacy is with WCW, WWE. Like, right. why do you want to work? Like Jericho has been explicit. Whether he's being honest or not, he's been explicit time and time again that he would not have made a difference if he went back to WWE. But now he is being counted on, and he needs to be creative in ways he's never been. He needs to put guys over in ways he's never done. Like, can you get that kind of confession out of Jim Ross, and do you believe it? Right, right. Like if he if he says it. I think a lot of these guys, you know, right or wrong, like they're going to rise. It's the opposite of what you were saying about this generation. These other guys, they're going to rise to the level of the money that they are, you know. Oh, the older guys, absolutely. Yeah. You know, for sure. That's just how they came up. And, you know, it it makes perfect sense to them. I get it. So I think that, I think if, I would like to think that if he took the money to be a face on TV and it was a lot of money and he knows, he knows, like I think there's a lot of guys that, that, Oh, Dusty Rhodes something or care about Dusty Rhodes. So I, I think they're impressed by what Cody's doing. So I don't think anybody's gonna coming that's connected to like fuck up, fuck up a, a good try. Right, right. Like who who wants to be that guy? So it's a big question. Like anybody, this is again, this is next week's conversation on WWE. Like anybody who has that history or that stink on them that you said, it would be a lot of like you're gonna have a conversation with my gut and whatever feelings come from it. Right. I've got to move in that direction before I before I sign. So we'll see, we'll see. Who would you want? Because you're way more plugged in. So what kind of who the announcers you would want for? Um, personally, I like Matt Stryker. I think he's a risky choice though, because a lot of people don't like him, and uh, they're not always wrong. He has his drawbacks. Um, I never stopped liking Todd Kennelly. I'm sure you remember. Oh, he's so yeah. fucking good. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he, fucking he was good. Really good. Uh, I don't know where he's been working exactly. Um, there's a few other guys. Uh, the guy who was lead announcer on All In, Excalibur, out of PWG, I think is very solid. Uh, he's a guy that they could use. Um, Kevin Condren uh, is a guy I've been a big fan of. He does commentary for uh, an indie out in Southern California. Uh, I'm sure the Bucks know him. I think he does a very good job. Uh, there's a few options I think you can go with, and there may be even people that, you know, not, are not so connected to wrestling right now who could be brought in and uh, bring something very fresh. So there's definitely options out there. Um, I, I'm interested to see who they come up with. Uh, I think they've already hired at least one person who is not really known to me. Um, I've got to look that up a second. Um, I think he was confirmed. Let me let me check it out a second. I'm getting a feeling of that, too, now that you said that. Yeah, Alex Marvez who okay. I don't know, uh, but he's already confirmed for the broadcast team. So, yeah, it may just be something, somebody totally fresh, and uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think the hard thing is, you know, you don't know what kind of announcers you need if you don't know what kind of product they're putting out. Exactly, exactly. So it'll be it'll be uh, interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see. Okay, so then uh, this will be the final one we talk about because the third one was more about WWE, which we'll talk about next week, about the fresh talent versus bringing folks in. So the final rumor for this week, and it it went from, I, we booked this days ago, it went from being an interesting point to deadly and monstrously immediate. Uh, a rumor came out that Impact and AEW, for example, will not work together. 
that for the most part AEW wants exclusive deals. So do you think series of questions you can answer them however you choose? Um, do you think that's how it's going to be with AEW trying to be more exclusive? What do you think the pros and cons of these situations are? And then what the hell do we make of Pentagon and uh, Phoenix, who it's been reported in 2018 that they're with MLW for a year. Um, they're in Lucha Underground, which is holding people hostage, according to testimony. They're in Impact. Impact is currently doesn't seem working with AEW. And Jericho claims they're exclusive. Like, where's all this shaking out? <laughs> Um, I think Pentagon and Phoenix may just be magic, um, because yeah, they're, they're in Lucha Underground, they're in MLW, they're in Impact, they're in AEW now, they're in all these places, and yeah, everyone's getting signed to exclusive contracts, so I'm sure if there is something exclusive, maybe it will just kick in later, Mm. but these are the same guys who were working, uh, AAA and CMLL last Mm. year in Mexico, which is like impossible to do like historically so uh, they're just so in demand that they are literally magic right now and i don't think we can use them as an example of anything so we're just going to put them aside uh to the larger question i have no idea if aw will work with others or not uh we really can only look at the pros and cons personally i think i would like to see them work with as many partners as possible and i think just for the fact that, um, as you mentioned, the elite are like showing up on smaller independent shows. It shows they're going to have some kind of connection to uh, independent companies, maybe just smaller ones. Maybe that will come out to be what it is. But they, they need to maintain some sort of connection, I think. Um, the reality is they may see other televised or corporate-backed companies as competition, and they won't be yeah. entirely wrong about that. Um and there's some advantages to standing alone. If you can go it alone without uh, having major partners, uh, especially partners in the U.S., you may want to stay away from. It shows that you're successful on your own. You're standing on your own, and you don't have the risk of being associated with brands like Impact Wrestling, which, you know, for all they may have rebounded now to some extent, will always be seen as a failure, I think. Um, we talked about a WWE stink. Ten times more, you can have a TNA stink, I think. Um, and, yeah, so uh, I don't know. There are definite benefits if they do want to stand alone. I personally would like to see every wrestling company that is not WWE form a partnership because I think that will be more beneficial to them in the long run. But it might not be practical, and it might be something that changes over time. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. This is the difference between – Kind of being the critic versus being the actor, because I don't doubt anything they've said, and I don't doubt their good intentions, but what does it take, like, a week before Cody Rhodes is saying he didn't understand, he didn't know things were just cutthroat versus, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you're going to start making decisions that were not in your best laid plans. Sure, and, absolutely. And, you know, we, we haven't talked about it that much, but, you know, at one point Cody was kind of hinting that, oh, we should have, like, a wrestling union, yeah. and now he's backed off on that. He's yeah. like, oh, I don't think we can do that. We You know, we need to do something else. So your perspective changes, you know, the facts yeah. might change, or maybe just your opinion changes. I don't know. A lot can happen. I think right now with the money and the attention, whether it's up front or in the back, we're going to see it. We're going to see some asshole. We're going to see some, like, uh, dick moves maybe that – uh, we might not want to see because I think right now, I think it is like all in, double or nothing, everything. And I think that, of course, with the money, 
they're going they're I think they're going for the kill where they can as far as yeah. like if you had a choice you know you're probably like if if I came to you like Cody Rhodes AEW can can stand like WWE and be its own thing or it can you know survive with Impact and Ring of Honor I think he's probably going to pick the first probably yeah <laughs> I think there's something as a fan that's disappointing about that because AEW is either going to be the great kind of space that allows talent to be paid well and to have creativity, or it might end up being the space that looked like that long enough to break up some wonderful relationships that were building independent wrestling together. Right. It's a big risk. (laughs) It's a big risk. And I don't envy, I don't envy anybody these decisions, but... I think you're already seeing the little glimpse we got in. I think Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact, AEW, I think they're all they're all saying the right things to each other, but I think they're all demonstrating that they no longer like fully trust each other. Yeah, but we haven't seen they. this many exclusive contracts outside of WWE in 20 years, you know. So yeah. that that word is becoming really important, exclusive. Um so yeah, that's uh it's a big risk, for sure. It's so hard to know what what to do, though, because I don't know how seriously I would take AEW if five guys are exclusive and the rest are not, and I start to see, oh, well, the non-exclusive guys, including Pentagon, always get booked like this versus the guys who are the AEW, you know, because sure. you know, I don't think you can book them on the same level. You know, you can it's, – it's a hard – it's a risk. It is? Because – how do you share them? Do they leave for like months at a time at times? Like, especially if it's New Japan, I don't understand. You know, I don't know if they can be treated the same way as exclusive talent. So, like, on the like macro picture, I'm sad. On the micro, I get it. Mm. And this is going to be something interesting going forward. I think this this goes in with our um, conversation next week. So, whether you like AEW, don't like it, think it matters, think it doesn't. It is upsetting the apple cart worldwide in, pro, in the pro wrestling world right now. For sure. And we're here. We're here to stand back and kind of watch, to report, to have a dialogue about it. And ladies and gentlemen, we are still moving to double or nothing in May. A lot on the line then. A lot on the line in five days when they kick off the ticket sale or the ticket information, where they bring in at least I think two women wrestlers exclusively through Brandy, I think, bringing them in when they bring in a surprise, which is probably not a surprise, which is probably Kenny Omega, but also might be something else. A lot on the line, and we are here in All About All Elite to cover it. Absolutely. Uh, Please do join us next week for all of that and more. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you check out the other great programs on LOP Radio. Uh, Got a lot of great ones, not the least of which... um, we have uh, Zanman doing a show that also covers some of the same stuff. Also talking Ring of Honor, talking um, New Japan. That's very good. Uh, we have uh, the Global Revolution, hosted by myself, my good buddy Jeff, on Tuesday mornings. Um, also got uh, Sports Entertainment is Dead, uh, Right Side of the Pond, uh, uh, 10 Wrestling. Um, I hope that's everyone. But a lot of great programs on the channel. I uh, hope you'll check it out. And LordsOfPain.net and LFPForums.com for a lot of great written material. Uh, I think that is everything. If you ever want to shout us out, I am on Twitter. I'm at SpectralGents. Give me a shout. Give me a follow. Thanks to uh, Bernard and um, 
Brooklyn, who uh, I believe commented on the show. So uh, great to have you guys along again. If you are listening, hope you are. And uh, everyone else out there who is listening along, thanks for coming along with us on this uh, this weird new journey. Um, I'm excited. I'm feeling great about all this. What about you? Oh, man, it's good to hear that maybe they are going to be listening in. Find a way to dialogue. We appreciate um, we appreciate all of our listeners. I, I, in my real life, I am a teacher, and I think that all learning is dialogic. I think everything that we learn comes from communication in some form with another human being, and that's what this show is about. So listen to us, but build that brand outside. You can talk to us at the um, column forums. You can find yeah. Ms. Van on Twitter. Um, I, I can pop up an e- email address or something eventually, but build the dialogue. We are here to talk to you. We are here to be persuaded. We are here to be informed and we are here to help with persuasion and information. And we're all going forward into the unknown. And thank you uh, for joining us. Yep. Thank you very much. Next week, we will be all about all elite three. Don't miss it. I saw an undiscovered creature Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is An undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature Yeah. He's the one that's scared The undiscovered